Three, two, one, boom. It's the Social Engineer Show. Got Harvey in the building. How are you, bro? I'm fantastic, thanks. And you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm happy to have you, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you uh, very much for inviting me on. I'm so excited about your journey and, yeah, what you're doing here. Basically, what I try to do is um, bring different interesting guests on. And um, for the audience, I found out about Harvey through a mutual friend that we have. And he was singing your praises, basically telling me that you're very inspirational <laughs> and that you would be a great guest. So he showed me a lot of your content and I, I looked through it and I was, I was very impressed as well. So I thought, yeah, it would be great to have you on the show and uh, maybe let the audience hear a bit about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So you want me to introduce? Yeah, yeah. yeah. From tell, this point? Yes. Okay, yeah. So I'm Harvey. I'm a remote property investor. And that means I live in the South, but I invest in the Northeast uh, Mainly, I've got some properties in the south, but my main focus is the north east. But it's for two reasons I'm not just a remote property investor because I invest like 250 miles away, mm. it's because I want a lifestyle. What I do, my wife's from Holland. Okay. Uh, in 2014, I made a goal for myself to have monthly breaks. Mm. So, what I needed to do then is to be able to have monthly breaks and travel so much I can't just have a monthly break and stop my business so I created a business where I can do it remotely from anywhere so mm. as long as I've got a phone as long as I've got a wi-fi connection I can yeah pretty much run my business from anywhere and that, that that's that, that was my aim and and my mission my why is to live on my terms mm. and make sure my phone is on silent to be what I'm talking about phones my why is to live on my own terms and my mission is to help as many people live on their terms using property using financial education uh, as a vehicle, using mindset and things like this as a vehicle to do it. So you said monthly breaks. Um, mm -hmm. Does that mean that you take the whole month off? No, <laughs> yeah, it'd be quite nice. So whether that's a weekend, sometimes I might just go to like last month, went to Wales. This month we're going to uh, Mallorca. Um, okay. Next month, I think we're booked in for... I think we might be going to Holland, can't remember, but uh, whether that's going to Holland, where my wife's from, mm. whether that's going, sometimes just a spa hotel around the corner, but mm. I'll have a month where, uh, each month I'll have like at least one okay. night mm. in a hotel, in a spa hotel, where I can detox, where mm. I've like I've got two phones, uh, or I've got a few phones for recording, but this is my main business phone. Mm. This phone here, nobody's got this number, apart from my mum and my operations manager for my team, mm. nobody's got this number, so... I will at least once a month put this phone down. So, because if it's in your hand, you just can't help it. You like, you'll be looking on Instagram, you'll be looking in your WhatsApp, I'll be looking at my base camp, my task management, mm. and, and subconsciously I'll be doing that. So, every month I want a little bit of a detox for my brain so I can just give that a little reset and I want to enjoy life. I want to have time with my family, I want to have time with my wife and my mm. kids and, and, and have time to reflect and, and enjoy it. That definitely sounds like, um, like a good structure, a good life structure. Being able to go away wherever it is uh, once a month definitely seems like it would be healthy and, as you say, de-stress uh, de and detox. Uh, absolutely. I encourage everybody to, like, you've got to be intentional with your time. If you're not in your intentional with your time, your time will be intentional with you. And I encourage absolutely everybody to schedule in monthly, quarterly, or just schedule in some downtime. It doesn't have to be expensive, like... What month was it? A couple of months ago, we went down to Lowestoft and it was like a couple hundred pounds for for a static caravan. Mm. So it wasn't a mega expensive break, but it was still getting away. It was still family time. It, yeah. We've we've been to, if you go on an app called Skyscanner, you can put in any anywhere, anytime, and it'll just come up with cheap flights. We went to Copenhagen once, me and my wife, for £37, I think it was, for both of us, return yeah. flights. Mm. It was on odd days. Obviously, my lifestyle, I don't have to... I can go on any day. I think we flew out on a Sunday and come back on a 
on a Tuesday. Mm. And to be fair, we wasn't looking to go partying or anything like that. We were looking to do some sightseeing. But yeah, £37 for a flight. I think the train ticket to the airport was more expensive mm. than the flight. But but yeah, it can be done on a budget as well. Sometimes I might go to the Caribbean for a month. On my honeymoon, we went away for two months. Mm. But my lifestyle set up in a way where I can operate everything from my phone. Mm. Was this always the plan? Like when you was growing up, did you always plan to have your life in this way where it's like you have free, you have all the time you want, you're pretty much in control of your own time, control of everything that you want to do. No, it's very much evolved. Uh, It has very much evolved. Uh, And I'm busy. I've got a lot going on, Mm. but exactly the words you said there, I'm in control of it. So as I said, my, my mission, my why, my, my major uh, why is to live on my terms. Mm. So my terms is if I wake up one day and I I don't want to work, I'm overwhelmed or I'm too stressed and I need to de-stress. I'm just going to press the stop button mm. and stop. I'm, I've been learning my body more and more over the years and my mind especially. I've had lots of ups and downs with my well-being and I've been learning my mind to recognise the signs when to just say, okay, you've got to stop. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I've got, uh, yeah, I've evolved into understanding that. I've evolved into a lifestyle of realising that's important where before I was kind of just too hectic, too too him. And this is, this, is, this is a danger. We were talking about off before we even jumped on this. The thing is, when you're 18, 19, 20, you, you, well, when, at any age, you don't always know what you want. Mm. One of my missions is a thing called figuring out happy. I believe everybody should figure out, ha- figure out happiness. Mm. The unfortunate thing is it's, it's a lifetime quest. An unfortunate thing is un- people don't understand it's a lifetime quest. That's not an unfortunate thing, by the way. It is a fortunate thing if you understand that. Because what makes you happy today is not what made you happy maybe five years ago. Mm. And what, what might make you happy in 10 years? I've just got a new baby in the house that's five months old. I've got a son that's four years old. Mm. So it's constantly evolving. So there's, there's, there's fundamental pillars to happiness for me. And this figuring out happy is exact. So figure out your finances. Like, I don't care what anybody says. People say money don't make you happy. Mm. Money alone does not buy happiness Mm. but money buys choices Mm. and it gives you freedom and choices so i've been poor and i've had money in my pocket and i've been unhappy with both money in my pocket and unhappy with no money in my pocket and i prefer being unhappy with money in my pocket (laughs) because when i've unhappy with money in my pocket i can go do you know what i'm jumping on a plane and i'm going Mm. i'm gonna have a little bit of a relax or exactly that, I can say, do you know what? I've built up assets that give me residual income. So if I want to stop tomorrow, I'm going to stop. I'm going to just stop. I've mm. got, I bought, I bought enough property now for like, it's, I'm not saying this in no means to sort of show off or anything like that. No, uh, and I've not got loads compared to some. I look at others like at my age who's done far more than me as well. Uh, but I've got enough property where if I said tomorrow, okay, enough's enough. I could live for the rest of my life just off that income from the property. Mm. So this gives you, like this gives me a financial freedom. It's managed freedom, and there's no tr- like there's no true passive income. I have to manage the managers that manage the properties, but it gives me that choice of knowing. Look, if I want to go to the Caribbean, I can go to the Caribbean. Mm. If I need to stop, if I'm really really stressed, I know I've got an income coming in that covers my bills. And I can stop. So money is very important. Another thing that's very important is your health and your mindset and your your well-being and your mindfulness. So uh, another thing that's very, very important to, to that as well is relationships. So you've got to get these key, key fundamentals in place and, and, and work on them all the time because it will change. So your, my health routine is very different with a new baby in the house than it was before the baby was here. It's very different from when it was before my son was here. And as I'm getting older and my body's changing, it, that is also changing as well. So it's constant evolution. So there is everybody expects this linear path. So, okay, this is my goal. I want this straight path to where I'm going to for my goal. 
But the unfortunate thing is, life's not like that. It's diversions. If you if you put in your phone in the sat nav, nav in your phone, I want to go to Liverpool. There'll be diversions on the way, and that's not a problem. What your phone will do is look for the quickest route to divert you and bring you back on track to where you need to be. Mm. And it's exactly what you have to do in life. That's why figuring out happy is exactly that. So you have your kind of end destination, but along the way there'll be diversions, and there's nothing wrong with them diversions as long as you're aware of it. It's about getting back to your equilibrium as quick as you can, so you can get back to the route you're going, and that route might evolve <coughs> along the way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you said. Um, when did you buy your first property? Uh, I bought my first property when I think it was 32, something like that. Okay. And and when you bought your first property, was it an investment property? Yeah. Okay. How would you advise somebody who is maybe at that stage where they're thinking about buying their first property? How would you advise them to like pursue that? Uh, yeah. First of all, get a bit of an edu- education, understanding. The first property transaction and deal I'd done, I lost money on. Uh, I bought a piece of land and I called it the property delta matrix. And I say to people, it, it's, it's delta because it's an ancient word for triangle. Well, it's a triangle shape in Latin. But what a lot of people do is, especially with YouTube today, and especially with a lot of coaches, I am a coach, I'm not criticizing coaches, but a lot of people sell dreams. Mm. Come and do this, you'll be financially free in six months and do one deal and blah, blah, blah. So what, but with property, you have to do the relevant style deal to relevant for where you are in your journey. We're all different. So everybody's got different skill sets. We've got different innate talents and, and abilities. We've got different connections, networks, accessibility to money. Like some people, parents are just loaded and just got loads of faith in them and they just throw money at them. Mm. Some people haven't. Some people just haven't got no really starting point. But everybody can start, but everybody's got different starting points. So first thing you want to do is educate yourself a little bit, then find out what your own innate abilities are and your own innate skills are. So I call this the property matrix delta. So I don't know if you'll be able to see this on here. I'll quickly... Uh, show you this uh, and what everybody should be doing is finding their start point and then getting a little bit of education then mm. building up off of that the danger with property is look if I wanted to be an airline pilot, pilot I couldn't just jump in a Boeing and just fly that plane mm. I'd have to build up I'd have to start in simulators I'd have to build up my skill my levels my confidence to go and fly bigger and bigger planes the thing with property is there's no there's no sort of there's no regulation. There's no qualification. You can just go, okay, I want to be a developer. And that's exactly what I've done. The first property transaction I've done, I bought it and I thought, okay, I'm going to be a property developer. And I bought a piece of land and I thought I was going to build two, three bedroom properties and earn hundreds of thousands of pounds. Mm. The reality was that was way above my skill level, my confidence level, massively my confidence level. So mm. when I bought the land, I'd bought it in auction. I wasn't expecting to win the auction. I literally went in, had one bid and the hammer just dropped. And I was like, holy <laughs> holy crap sort of thing. No, I wasn't expecting that. But when I had it, like it changed completely. So my ambition before, and it's like when people say tomorrow I'm going to the gym and the alarm goes off in the morning, they go, oh, I'll start, I'll start the next day. Mm. It's the same again. I, I, the ammo went down before I had time to think about it and I was in, but then I procrastinated massively because it was massively fearful. I didn't have no upbuilders, no architects. I didn't even understand how to navigate that. So for me, if somebody wants to start in property, it's very important to start where your level's at. Mm. So if you're already a builder, you might be able to start a little bit further up. If you're a quantitative surveyor, you might be able to start a little bit further up. Or if you've got a dad or a cousin or a best friend that's in that game that can support you, you might be able to start further up. Mm. But for me, the foundation of property, I'm trying to find this for you, the foundation of property is single-let properties, which is family homes. Okay. They're not the most pro- profitable part of property. So this is what I'm talking about. So this this is what I call my property delta matrix. Oh, and yeah. I, I think everybody, I'll send you a picture of this so you yeah. can like yeah, ed- edit it. this in if mm. you can. But everybody should be thinking, look, 
the main things that makes a property transaction or any business works is money, knowledge, network, and time. Time is the big one as well. Mm. So, and network. So at the moment, the capacity I'm at, I've got a guest house I'm converting. I've got two refurbishment on single properties we're doing. We've just finished another one. I'm at my capacity with my network. I've not got enough builders to keep up with what I'm doing. We're stretched as it stands. Mm. So even if you threw me more money, I've not got more time and more builders to be able to double up what I'm doing. So mm. I have to build that up. So I couldn't just instantly do that at a click of my fingers tomorrow. So what I say to people is where, wherever you are at in your journey, you, if you want to start in your, in your journey, ask yourself from zero to get 10, where do you score yourself on these? Some money, how much money you got? Mm. Knowledge, how much knowledge you got? Uh, network, how much network time? And this CCC at the bottom of this here is courage, confidence and conviction. Conviction mm. is key. Confidence and courage and conviction all go hand in hand. Because as I said, I, this, this this matrix here, I'm, uh, I say, is buy to let's see your single let properties. HMOs, SAs are more complex, higher mm. earning, but more complex. Commercial conversions, again, higher earning, more complex, and development. I tried spinning this triangle upside down mm. and starting with development, but the courage and confidence and conviction shrunk because I got so fearful. Mm. And what happens is when you study psychology in your mind and how your mind operates is a confused mind, a scared mind does nothing. Our brains are designed for comfort, designed evolutionary to head towards uh, to, head to head towards comfort and safety. And as an evolution, that worked really well 5,000 years ago when you're running away from a dinosaur or a saber-toothed lion or tiger. But today, it's not so good because the things that are uncomfortable are the things that are going to expand you. But if you go too far out of that comfort zone, you will just shrink and do nothing. Mm. So you have to build up that confidence. You get this odd person. Like when I was a kid, we used to go swimming over this over this lake and my friend told me about it and there's these really big cliffs over there to jump off of and he told me he went come over these places we found this place these cliffs are massive we'll all jump off them and the day before a similar thing when I was saying earlier on it's all the way in hindsight but when mm. it actually happens you don't press that you don't convict so the day before I went I, I said yeah I'll jump off the cliff I got there and I looked at this cliff and I was like there's no way anybody's ever jumped off this <laughs> cliff like there was a bush like just at the edge of it so you had to run jump out and it was it was ginormous. I don't, I'm not very good at measurement sizes, mm. but it was ginormous. Uh, and I said, there's no way anybody's ever jumped off that. He said, I've done it yesterday, but if you do it first, I will do it afterwards. I was like, if you've done it before, then you do it first, <laughs> and then I will do it afterwards. Mm. We stood up at the top of this cliff for about maybe half hour, uh, talking it through. And in the end, I built the courage up to jump off. So I've got a little bit of courage and conviction, mm. but it took me half hour. We went there the next day and showed somebody else. And he went, what? Yeah, okay. And just run and jumped off. So mm. naturally, he's got that courage and conviction. That's an innate ability into him. I've got a little bit of that because I've done it, but it took me 30 minutes to talk myself into mm. doing it. So that is the key behind it. If you've not got no... I know people that's got money, they've got knowledge, they've got network, and they've got time, but they've got no courage, confidence, and conviction. So it goes back to this. You then want to start on the simpler stuff. Build up uh, your habits. Like Again, if you want to build up a gym habit, instead of saying, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour every day, say, I'm going to do 10 press-ups every day. Do something that's achievable that you can't persuade yourself that you've not got time to do or or talk yourself out from it. And then you build on that habit upwards mm. rather than trying to build a massive habit straight away. Yeah. The, the turning up and doing it consistently is much more important than the, 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 the volume of what you're going to do. So again, coming back to what I'm talking about with properties, people should start a bit more simple and build up. Unless you have, unless you are a builder, unless your dad is a developer, mm. there is exceptions of the rules always. But also the reason behind this is this is where your stability wealth is. These higher strategies are much more risky, like financially. So if you've not got the stability underneath that, 
and things go wrong, which they do, and they can go wrong on these bigger things, you could bankrupt you and end you straight yeah. away. So if you're going to start in property, start, I think most people, like score yourself on this matrix. Mm. If you are a builder, you've got somebody in your family that can really help you out or you know somebody, then you can start a bit higher up. But I, I encourage most people to start with single let properties, hence why I invest in remotely in the Northeast because the the one we just completed, we I bought for £77,000, uh, renovated it for £9,000. It's worth £105,000. We've rented it for £700. I've had it revalued at £105,000 and I've, it's rented at £700. You can't buy deals like that locally. If you could, I wouldn't travel... I wouldn't travel four hours every so often to do that. I would be buying them locally. So uh, I encourage people to start single lets, build up that foundation, and then slowly ascend up here if you choose to. But mm. everybody should have wealth, and everybody should have some wealth strategies to build your wealth. Wealth comes from reoccurring income assets. So property for me is buying none, my most favourite, and the most powerful asset you'll buy because you can use leverage to buy it as well. So banks will lend you 75% of the purchase price. If you go and try and buy a Bitcoin, if you go and try and buy stocks, if you go and buy try and buy gold, I buy all other assets as well, but I'm heavily weighted towards property because you can't go in the bank and say, lend me, some, give me 75K mm. and I'll put 25K in and I want to buy some stocks. They just say no. So property gives you leverage of that. It gives you a monthly reoccurring income. Reoccurring income is what where wealth is. So, Measurement of wealth is not how much you earn monthly, it's, it's off the back of how long could I stop working and still get income? Mm. And for me, that's forever. I've got enough properties where I could stop working and I can continuously get in, get paid. So, so yeah, if, again, I'm sorry, it's a bit of a tangent there and no, a bit of a side, <laughs> side thing. But, uh, but yeah, advice for anybody, I'd say everybody should get into property. If you're earning money elsewhere, park it into property. Do the style properties that are relevant to where you are in your journey. Mm. I think where a lot of people get stuck. Um, have you heard of the term analysis paralysis? Yep. Sure. Where you you just you're doing all the knowledge, you're, you're you're thinking about it, thinking about it, and then five years has gone past, and you've just been thinking about it the whole time. Absolutely. So the, exactly what I said, conviction is mm. key. That's why if you're not convicting on anything, if mm. you're saying you want to go to the gym, you want to start property, you want to start a podcast, mm. and you're not convicting on it. Mm lower the target until you start mm. and that conviction is like conviction and starting is key and building that habit because what what is our internal beliefs uh, either sabotage us or drive us forward we've got subconscious programs that's been going on for forever so since we've been born mm. it's been programmed in i'm a super geek with this uh much to my wife's annoyance like with my son like this morning i woke up my son and it, I'm, I'm already subconsciously training him to live a healthy lifestyle. Mm. But I'm leading by example. I'm not being a disciplinary, disciplinary uh, person to him. I don't know mm. if I pronounce that correctly. But I'm not giving him loads of discipline, saying you can't do this, you can do this. But I'm giving him guidance mm. and showing by example. Mm. And it makes me super proud. Week, week, Monday to Friday, I, I, I will eat clean. And I'm, I'm pretty, dis I'm say 98% disciplined. The odd time, I might, if I'm on the road, I don't beat myself up if I'm not, but for seven years I've kept discipline with that. Mm. And then from Saturday night, sometimes from Friday night or from a Saturday night, depending what I'm doing, I, I might have a little target. I don't never have a real disciplined diet because if it's too disciplined, I set myself a failure. But I just eat clean, good, mm. and exercise. And every now and again, if time's on my side, I might change out or I might have a little target. Like the other month, I've done keto and extreme uh, fasting. Mm. Uh, so I've done a two-hour eating window for five weeks mm. and ketogenic diet for five weeks. And that was an end target. I couldn't do that for life. It's too extreme. But it's good. It's good to reset my body and, and, and have a little target and a goal to do. But I How do you feel after after doing one of those um, extreme diets? 
after uh, doing it for a period of time. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It, obviously, it's good sense of achievement. You give yourself mm. a target. Keto diet. I'm high energy anyway, so keto diet gives me too much energy, like like to the point where it will compromise my sleep. So, mm. but yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's great. Like I've done vegan before. I've mm. like, I've, I've done loads of different diets like that just as a target. Mm. But in general, I, I'll eat well. I eat whole foods and eat well. And as I said, my son this morning. He woke up and I said, look, it's a weekend, you can eat what you want. So weekends, cheats days, weekdays are not. And he's already now, he exercises. Yesterday he done an exercise, like hit workout with me. He's only four. Mm. And uh, he woke up this morning. I said, what do you want? It's like weekend. He said, you know what? I'm going to eat something that's going to make me strong and fast. And we can just have snacks later on in the day, can't we? He said, should mm. we do some exercise? And I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, but that's just not me telling him to do that. Yeah. Just me gu- guiding him. So mm. our brains constantly picking up subconscious things from teachers, from friends, from TV programs we watch, from magazines or books we read. Mm. So we've got to be careful what we surround ourselves and what we listen to. And the unfortunate thing is our subconscious mind will sabotage us or, or drive us forward. And our internal beliefs is what holds us back. Mm. And it's beyond the conscious level of thinking. 90% of what we do comes from the unconscious mind. So it's really, really important to start programming your mind with beliefs or what you are. So if you exercise, if you do 10 press-ups every day, you can start saying to yourself, I'm an exerciser. If you start recording a minute video every single day, you can say, I'm a content creator. Mm. Uh, but if you say to yourself, I'm going to create these great, like this is a great setup. But if you say to yourself, I'm going to create this studio, I've got to get this right editing, then you just paralysis by, paralysis by analysis yeah. and you don't start. I coach people and people say to me, look, what is the difference between your coaching and your free content? Because you give out a lot on your free content. Mm. I said, you can ask me anything. I'll give every single week. Uh, I was going to volunteer for Richard Branson's Virgin Unite and try and help some young entrepreneurs as a, as a giving back. I give mm. to charities, but I wanted to give back as well. So, but then I thought, okay, I'm building up a decentish sort of like size fodder in there. So why don't I just offer this giving back to my community? Mm. Like these people follow me. So every week I set aside a set amount of hours to just give people free calls, no sales, no nothing. This is advice, guidance, and, and help them drive forward. And they ask this question all the time. What is the difference in that? What like you give out free advice, you help people. What is the difference between your course and your free stuff? And I said the difference is your conviction. So I designed my course over six weeks as opposed to just a week. I could deliver it in a weekend easily, but it'd be more profitable as well. But the difference is I'll need to get people that accountability. I need to give them bite-sized chunks, small actionable steps where they can come back and be accountable uh, and, 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 and and make some steps forward. Because as I said, if you give people too much, again, you go analysis by paralysis and you do nothing with it. So you've got to start small that small, some people are different levels. As I said, some people that are them kids that can just run off a cliffs mm. and just not even think about it. And some people really overthink. So if you're that person, find who you are mm. and then let's work on where you are and the steps to get you that momentum going forward. Another um, thing that I think stops a lot of people is getting that first seed money. That first, um, mm. like say if you're trying to put 25K into something, it's like gathering that type of money. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice in regards to... Um, like how to uh, retain money? Because a lot of people, it's like it comes in and it goes as quick as it comes in. Yeah, yeah great question. Uh, first of all, uh, you've got to track your money. What you don't track, you, what you don't measure, you can't grow. So you've got to track your money. You've got to get financially literate. You can do this on YouTube. As I said, everybody should start with free education. Then I believe everybody should invest in their self. So depending where you're at in your journey, look, if you're at the start of your journey and you've maybe got 5K, don't go and do a 5K course. Maybe invest... 500 quid. So you need to invest enough that gets your attention. When you pay, you pay attention. Mm. I've got loads of courses that I bought at home at $50, $100, and I've not even watched them, some of them. I've not even watched one video of them. 
But then when I go and pay, like if I'm really serious about learning something, I'll find out, I'll watch loads of free YouTube stuff and then I'll go and find the person I think is the right fit for me. I'm looking for a mentor at the moment to take me to the next level. Mm. And, and the price bracket I'm in at the moment is probably about 10 to 20K that I need to pay for this mentor. I wouldn't advise somebody early on in a journey unless, again, they've got a ton of money and they've got loads of courage. But in general, I wouldn't advise them to jump for straight in at a high level, but I'd advise you to get some free education and then pay a little bit towards that. And you can either pay with money or your time. They're both assets. They're both worth something. Your time's worth more than money, by the way, but it's, you can either pay with either. If you've not got no money and you've got no starting point, as I said, first of all, start off by educating yourself. So if it's a property world, educate yourself how to analyse a deal. Every property investor needs deals. So I'm putting together a program at the moment that's going to be a lower barrier. Like my course is like a couple of K. My, my private mentoring is like quite expensive. Uh, but I want to aim at something for startup people. And what I say to people when they're looking to start up, you've got zero money, zero experiences. Go and educate yourself using your time. So use your asset and your time. So YouTube, books, maybe invest in a few digital programs, maybe because I said when you pay, you do pay attention. Mm. Uh, and maybe invest in a couple of programs for like three, four, five hundred pounds and learn, learn how to analyze a deal. And then the best thing you can do to drive forward in property if you've got zero money is go and find somebody that you admire that you would like to work with and then go and work with them for free. Mm. I don't know, have you heard of Grant Cardone? Yeah, yeah, I like Grant Cardone. Yeah, so he done a program called Undercover Billionaire. Mm. And the first thing he done on that is he went and worked for free for everybody. So he said, and the guy was like, what do you want? He said, no, what I want is an opportunity. I want to prove to you, first of all, and I want an opportunity. So you go and work for free for somebody. And like, if you learn how to, like you can go on my YouTube channel, Harvey Growth Properties, and learn how to analyze a deal. You can learn how to st stack that and put it together, the tools. And if you kept, like if somebody done this to me, without question that, it kept on coming to me with deals. Like, what do you want? What do you want for that? No, nothing. Here you go. I'll just analyze these deals. I view these deals. We're in the business of buying properties. So we need properties viewed. So they kept on doing that to me. After a while, that would rattle rat rat up in my radar to say, I need to. I need you around. I need you around me. Like we're talking off camera. Mm. It's hard to find these good people. And then when you find them, you have got to nurture them. Yeah. If somebody come and done and proved themselves to me at the front end like that, mm. off their own initiative, straight away I'll be like, okay, I, like I've not got a budget or time to hire somebody at the moment, mm. but I need. I, I, I can't use lose you as an opportunity. Mm. And this happened. The guy that, uh, that I'm working with at the moment, he's 19 years old. He started with hardly any money. Uh, so there's different strategies. So the first strategy I would do is look to work with somebody for free. Mm. To, to vicariously gain their knowledge and their experience because Tony Robbins says it's not a lack of resources, it's a lack of resourcefulness mm. that stops you from moving forward. There is loads of money out there and it's called OPM, other people's money. Uh, I've just done loads of deals off of other people's money. But one of my bugbears is when people tell people, again, it goes back to this property uh, delta matrix. I say to people, look, you don't, on your very first deal, you do not want to be trying to take on a massive deal using other people's money because you're probably going to mess up with their money. So it's going to, it's going to ruin your confidence mm -hmm. and it's going to ru ruin your credibility and potentially get you into trouble with the FCA as well. Uh, so what you want to do is build up into lending money. Mm -hmm. So if you've got no background building experience, no skill, no, no, no transferable skills that you can move across into what you're trying to do, then don't just go out, even if you can raise the money, unless it's your parents or somebody that really trusts you and they understand that you might lose it. Don't just go out and do that straight away. Build up to that. But what, what the, if most people can't raise money though, because they go, well, how can I raise money? Like, mm. like Ashton, if you come to me tomorrow and said to me, well, okay, I found a property deal. Mm. Uh, I need 
X, Y, Z to put into it, would you invest in it? The first thing I'll ask you is, I don't care about the deal. I'm, I'm caring about you. So what's your experience? What's your hunger? What's, what's your skills? What can you bring to this to deliver this? Because the deal on its own is just a deal. Mm. But it's got to be delivered. So if you can't deliver, if you don't know how to do a program of work, you don't know how to do to manage builders, you don't know how to find builders, then the chances on delivering a job, a, a project that's big enough to pay you enough money to pay me back my, my loan and my interest is, is low for somebody yeah. starting out. So what you need is that credibility and experience. It's hard. People say, how do I get experience without, without the, the starting? And get, going back to what I was saying is go and work with somebody for nothing. So this guy that's working for me, you can check him out. He's online. His name's Ben Pickering. He's building his own Instagram. And what he does, he goes to do loads of work for me. So what he's doing is documenting what he does for me. Mm. And he, I'm teaching him how to build out his online profile. So building out your online profiles is vitally important. It's the quickest way to build any business especially property. So the ways into it, so I'll break this down. I've gone on a bit of a tangent there. Apologies, but break no, this down. So, so educate yourself a little bit, first of all, mm. and we'll use property as an example, but this transfer across to any business, educate yourself a little bit on YouTube, free content, then maybe pay yourself to a small few small courses so you can get the resources and the template stuff. And then in property, go out and view loads of properties and just keep on giving these viewed properties across to the investors. Try and find them properties. Eventually, what happened, that investor will go, do you know what, do you want to work with me? You've proved yourself. Mm. And then you can vicariously, you, like you can document what you're doing. So document what you're learning, document the programs you've paid for, the, the YouTubes you're watching, document that whole journey, document when you're doing the viewings, document when you're working with this person and document what you're working with them for. Say to that person, I'll work with you free, send me out on things. All I want is the opportunity to learn from you. You'll get a mentorship for free. So my mentorship is minimum £350 an hour one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. So this guy that's 19 years old at the moment is getting a 300, he's getting he's getting paid now at the moment, by the way. He started off working with me for free mm. and he's now getting paid. So he's, he's getting paid and he's getting a mentorship worth £350 an hour. Mm. I know it's worth that because I actually charge people for that and I get results with people for that. So, mm. and he's got, he's 19 years old and he's got, I think he's got his eight property transaction in deal already done and uh, he's either completed on that or he's, he's close to completing on that. Mm. So he's leveraging my experience, my network, my knowledge, and that gives other people more confidence for him now to go off. And mm. because, yeah, if he goes to raise some money, he can say, yeah, we can do it because he's got support from me, mm. you know. Uh, and the banks look at this the same, you know. If, you, if you've got no experience, you need a partner. If your partner's got experience, it could be a builder, it could be another property investor, they will lend you the money. If, if they're not, they, they won't lend you the money. So, so yeah, your, your routine is starting to be... Starting with a bit of free education. Second step is go and work with people for free. Third step is, uh, well, all the way through that, you document what you're doing and then you start trying to raise your own money. Mm. This this guy is doing a pro like projects called purchase lease options. So a lease option is where you've got the option to buy it, but not the obligation. So mm. you just pay a deposit down and you can take control of property and buy it off them in the future rather than buy it straight away. It's mm. a difficult uh, strategy. You got to persuade somebody to give you their property. You pay them a monthly, like a monthly, like so. The one that Ben's just done at the moment is he's give the guy two hundred pound a month, and he took control of the property. He rents it for five hundred pound a month, so the margin in the middle where he keeps mm. the guy's mortgage is probably about eighty pound a month. So the guy's still getting a monthly profit off of it without the hassle of being a landlord. Mm. There's lots of changes, lots of like legislation in property now. And some old landlords are just like okay. I, I, I don't really want to do that. So he still gets a reoccurring income every month. And at the end of it, he'll sell it on a fixed price. What is what's agreed. Mm. Hypothetically, imagine there's somebody who's got maybe like 50 K, something like that. Mm. And they're thinking, shall I buy a property to live in or shall I 
stay where I'm at and then buy an investment property, would you advise they go for the investment route? Everybody's different. I bought mm. my first property as an investment. Uh, on paper, yes. But on paper, in reality, it's two different things. So sense of security, some people have uh, sense of effort as well. Look, if you've not, like, like some people just not got that effort to go off and drive that forward enough, mm. you know? So if you've not got that effort, like people dream themselves. Everybody's got the effort on on the thirty first of Jan- uh, of December to go to the gym. Mm. I go to the gym regularly, and on the first of January or the second of January, when everybody's got their hangovers, that gym's packed. And as you get to the end of January, it thins out. As you get to sort of March, uh, it, it really thins out even more. And then as you get to sort of like mid year, you see the real people that mm. are going to the gym. So everybody's got intention. You have to be realistic. So I think it depends on you, your circumstances, intentions. But on paper, yes, without a shadow of that, your house is a liability. It's a book by uh, by a guy called Robert Kiyosaki. He's called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Read that. Yeah, yeah very, book. very, very interesting book. Mm. Uh, there's assets and liabilities. A simple way to explain this is an asset will put money in your pocket and liability will take money out of your pocket. So if you buy your own home, that will take money out of your pocket. So you've constantly got to be then working, mm. which puts you in the rat race. This will put you in that hamster wheel where I have to turn up for work every day. Yeah. But if you buy, I've still not bought my, I've done over, well, probably I've not counted, but probably done around a hundred property transactions mm. for myself, my investors, reselling certain ones for investors. So it's probably around a hundred, and uh, I've still not bought my own personal home. Mm. And people go, I, I don't understand that. And I like that because I was trying to have this conversation with someone the other day, um, but it was hard for me to explain. But um, I, I, the way I basically looked at it was that if you're making a certain amount of money every month and you can pay the rent you, that that covers your rent. What's the point of getting yourself into a, like the the debt of having your own personal home? Why not just keep on building the nest egg? Mm-hmm. But it was it was hard for me to explain because um you know the the general feeling by a lot of people is that you have to get a home and you mm-hmm. have to live there and like you have to pay for where you live basically. Ah, absolutely. And again, it goes down to that internal belief. Mm-hmm. So our brains are constantly programmed, and it's it's it's, not, it's it, it is on purpose. I'm not a conspiracy theorist type person but look the governments want to train everybody into being a workforce paying taxes mm, and tie you up in it yeah absolutely and that's where the hamster wheel as soon as you get a mortgage you're tied to it and again this goes back to what we say earlier on around uh uh like fight you don't know your path i didn't know what i wanted this is one of the things i'm i'm saying to this young lad i'm mentoring and working with at the moment mm. and already now he's worked with me for seven months and we're looking at a business opportunity together mm. Uh, so, uh, but I'm saying to him, you don't know what you, my biggest fear on you is you don't know what you want when you're young. What I wanted at 19 changed when I was 25. It changed again when I was 30. It changed again when I was 35. It changed again when I was 40. Mm. It's constantly evolving with your life and you constantly find, find yourself. And this is what happens. People go to school. They go to, I don't know. I left school. I didn't even leave school with an exam or anything. So I left school before school finished. Uh, but I didn't do no formal education. I think I went to college for about three weeks. Um, Mm. and I think at the time, that was more because there was loads of girls there than it was because I wanted <laughs> yeah. to learn anything. But uh, uh, you don't know what you want, going back to what I was saying, and it's, it's difficult. You've got to find that path. But a lot of people leave school, they go to college, they go to university, they get a job because either their peers, their parents, and they get told that is the done thing to do. Mm. And then they get to about 35 and they go, wow, I'm, really, I'm not enjoying this. But because mm. they've got a mortgage, because they've got kids, because they've got all these responsibilities, they can't just give up and then go and find their dream mm. or do their dream. They're just tied to that and in that hamster wheel. And, and this is the difference between wealth and high earning. The more you, the more people earn, the more that, more debts and responsibilities they take on. Mm. And more liabilities, should, should I say, not responsibilities, liabilities they take on. And then they're in that hamster wheel. 
So my friend, uh, he's come from a wealthy family. Uh, his dad built it from nothing. His dad's been a bit of a mentor to me over the years. I always sit with him and ask him questions when I'm setting stuff up. Uh, but he says, like, I can't get it. You do not feel like you're throwing money out your front door. And I said, well, look, let me explain to you like this. All, all my properties pay my rent. So I live rent free. Yeah. You know, so, and what's happening is my properties, what I do is I buy, I refurbish and I refinance them. So I'm building up and building up, building up. Mm. Eventually I will buy it, but I will buy my dream home. Mm. I nearly bought my, I nearly bought a home, my first home in 2009. I nearly got sucked into that hype where you need your own home. Mm. All my friends are buying their own homes. I missed that little wave of getting 100% mortgage and 100% lending. And I was like, right, I need to buy it. And I went off, I nearly bought my own home. Um, I was, And literally twice it's happened. I bought, I got an offer accepted on one. Uh, and literally put subconsciously something happened. I pulled out of it and found a different one. Mm. When I analyze it now, I'm like subconsciously, I knew that wasn't the right thing to do. Mm. And on the second one, I got to the day of exchange of contracts and I pulled out of it. The estate agent was shouting down the phone. You can't do this. And I'm like, listen, I've just got to do it. Apologies. I'm not saying it's right what I'm doing, but I've realized this is not the right thing for me. And I know however much difficulty it's caused other people. I need to, like I need to do the thing that's right for me. Mm. And I apologise for not figuring it out beforehand. It's, it's my bad. Mm. But all the same, just now I figured it out. I can't stick with this. I've got to uh, go my different way. So I decided to go into property instead. So I was, I was literally a day away from getting myself in that rat race. Mm. That would have tied me to a £1,200 a month mortgage. It would have stretched me. It was, I wouldn't, like... I had some money. Uh, I had some money borrowed against an inheritance property from my mum. I had some savings. And I was like, okay, £1,200 a month meant I wouldn't be able to save again. I definitely wasn't getting any other properties that I could leverage again. Yeah. So it would have just left me stretched. So I decided to put it into property, which I'm glad I did. I made some mistakes. I bought that, that piece of land as a first deal, which I lost probably about 10K, maybe more yeah. uh, on that. Uh, but I put it into properties and started investing and started ca creating cash flow. And I said to my friend, I said, look, I'm still, like, that equity is still in there. It's building up, building up, building up. At one point, I will take that equity out and I'll still own these assets that pay me monthly income mm. and I'll go and buy and build my dream house off of this, where instead, if I started then, I would have just got a house that was okay. Uh, that you were tied to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was tied to. It held me back on my journey and my mm. dream of what I was doing. And without question, like, that house, I think I was going to buy it for 220 uh, It's probably worth today, it's probably worth about, 350 didn't have, it was a fairly newish build so it didn't have massive appreciation compared to some mm. but it's probably worth about 350 ish uh but the money that I've the, the portfolio I've generated off the back of that is exponential in com compared to that mm. sort of thing so so yeah I look back out but he, he, he can't get his head around it even though he come from an entrepreneurial dad he's like it feels like you're throwing money away so look your target to having a because he's paying his house down. I said, your target to having a paid off asset is having no mortgage. I've got no mortgage, no rent because my mm. assets pay pay that. Yeah. So I've got the same outcome as you. I just don't own own it. Mm. But part of the problem as well with it is, so let's say you did buy a house, yeah, and yeah, it's gone up, um, whatever, a hundred k or something. If you want to move from that place to another place, the other places are mm. now up as well. It's like basically you're just still tied to the same thing. It's like you can't sell that and then just like realize all of those profits you still need somewhere to live yeah, absolutely. and it's like now you've got to go and do the same thing again for another 25 years or whatever it is and it just seems that i think your structure is so much better and i i, I always wanted to do my thing like that as well and we spoke about grant card grant cardone earlier and he said something that kind of like made me feel this way as well he said that he's the place where he lived it was um he's his business owns it and he pays rent for the, the property, but he actually doesn't own it. The business itself owns it. 
And like, I think that's a perfect structure as well. It's like, mm-hmm. why, why not? Um, I don't know, like offset your, like make the money that you generate monthly pay for where you live as opposed to you're tied in and you have to pay for the next however many years, 25 years, whatever. It just seems like it stunts your growth. It, yeah, it dramatically stunts your growth. It stops you from Absolutely. doing what you want. You need delayed gratification. Mm. One of the things I would really advise people starting out is, again, that goes with go and work for free for somebody. Everybody's inst- instant. What can I have now? Can I, I want this now. And the... And the easy accessibility to f- like finance today, like with credit cards, loans, it, it, it makes people live a false sort of life, basically, and they mm. stretch themselves. And everybody wants everything today. I'm still patient. I'm 44 and I've still not bought my own home. Mm. And I'm being patient with it. My wife is like, oh, when are we going to buy somewhere? Mm. And I'm doing a deal at the moment. And once I finished it and structured it, I'm going to have a decent amount of cash back in my proper pocket. And she's just saying, you're just gonna use it for something else again. Mm. We're not. We're not. I've said we're nearly. We are nearly there. Like there's only so. Like you've got to pick that point as well. You've got to try and get a bit of a balance of lifestyle. Over the years, I've not got nice cars. I've, I've got. I've got a comfortable car to drive, but it's a, it's a purposeful cheap car. I buy cars about eight to ten years old mm. because the appreciation curve's gone out from them, but they don't lose as much money after that. So I can keep them for two years, and or a year. And it's if I buy it at a trade value because I've traded cars before. I can probably resell it on for roughly what I've paid for it. Mm. I buy diesels. I do a lot of mileage on them. I buy estates because you can put the seats down and use them as vans. Mm. Uh, but there is a point now I'm looking at Teslas. It's like, okay, you've got to get a comfort point and you've got to get some sort of balance. So again, the balance was I've got a comfortable car, but I've bought it strategically. I go away a lot, but I do that strategically sometimes. Sometimes I do go in really nice hotels, but often I'm not worried about the hotel. I'm worried about the experience of going away. Mm. Don't get me wrong about abundance and abundance of money. Of course, I'm going to go in the best hotels all the time, but it's not going to come in front of my investing. Mm. But as I said, as it compounds and compounds and compounds, it then starts giving you that back. And as I said, I'm at that point now where I am looking at getting a slightly nicer car. But again, the car I'm looking at is a Tesla and it's going to be more business efficient for me in my business. So although my wife's car that I've got my wife and the family car for driving the kids around, the payments on that is a fraction of the Tesla, but I can do it via my business. It's again, this mm. is going back to what you're saying with Grant Cardone, if you, mm. you structure it correctly. There's great grants with uh, electric cars at the moment. You can offset it completely in your businesses. You'll save money and fuel, and I can run it via my business as opposed to personally. My wife's car is a personal one. Uh, it's done personally. I buy cars on credit. I don't buy cars for cash because... For example, if I bought a 10, 15K car, for me in my remote location, 15K is a deposit. So instead of putting 15K into a car, I put 15K into a property and that property will pay me maybe 300 pound a month. Mm. That 300 pound a month, I'll go and get credit for the car and that property, that, that asset pays for the liability, mm. which is the car, the monthly payments. So so yeah, you just got to think around this, but got to be patient. So many people want it in an instant and a click mm. of a finger. Yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely... Um like I, I definitely agree with your philosophy on things and a lot of the stuff that I've read, it, like try, it teaches you them sort of things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but one of the arguments that, um, as, as I said, I was having this discussion with somebody the other day. Um, one of the arguments that they were making is that, um, oh, if you're renting a place, then you can never um, change the way it looks or you can never, um, I don't know, build an extension or do all these so- sorts of things. But my argument to that would, would be, why don't you just rent somewhere else then? If you want, if you want a like extra room or whatever, just go and rent somewhere with an extra room. But um, what would you say to that? Maybe that's not a good response to it. Yeah, again, it's a lack of resourcefulness and a lack of resources and the way your mind works and and just asking questions. Funny enough, that's that's 
I've just turned my three bedroom into a four bedroom mm. and it's a rented property. I've done the work. Um, so when I rented my property, I walked up to the front of the property to look at it. They, we were going to view it, and it was a Sunday. I said to my wife, should we drive around there, go and have a look? We drove around there to look, and the, the owner was at the front. So straight away, I was like, oh, okay, so can I just rent this from you directly? I'm, a, I'm an investor, I'm a landlord, we can cut the agent, I can just pay you directly, I can manage it. Mm. So I managed to do a deal with her directly and managed it herself. And this rent stayed the same because I've managed it well for her, and I've, I give her no hassle, and I, I do all the repairs apart from major ones in there. Like my rent stayed the same. So a little while ago, I tried buying offer on an option. So I said to her, look, can I buy it on an option where we agree a price now and I buy it in the future? And there was a potential to turn my, well, not just potential, it's done now, turn it into a four bedroom. So there was, it's a townhouse and on the middle floor, there's a bathroom with a bath. On the, on the, on the second lot on the top floor, there's a master bedroom with a massive ensuite and a bath in there also. And you could easy access, you could, we, what we've done, we cut it in half and we made a little nursery slash office uh, out of the half of there and still kept the ensuite, but there's no bath in there anymore. I asked to buy off my uh, landlord and said to her, look, let's do it on an option. I'm a bit gutted I didn't push it because initially she was like, oh, let's go through the agents. And I just negotiated with her. And in the end, she done it with me directly. And I asked her to do this on an option and she thought about it. So I said, look, let me agree a price now. I'll pay you full market value for it. I then add the value to it also I only pay myself a set amount from my companies each year because I reinvest everything else from my companies back into my companies. Mm. So I need to pay myself a bit of a higher wage to to get the mortgage. So I need a bit of time to do that. So let me agree the price now. Let me pay myself a higher wage for a set period of time and let me then do the work. So also the work will increase the value. So I can use some of that towards my deposit and then I'd increase my wages and then I can buy it from you. She come back and went, oh, it's a bit complicated, and a bit confusing. Mm. So I said, uh, okay, well... If you agree to keep the rent the same, why don't you let me do the work? Basically, minimum is probably seven, eight hundred pound a month more rent I would have to pay for the extra bedroom in my area. Probably more like a thousand pound a month, especially for that house. And also the rent's cheaper because I've managed the property for a while anyway. So I negotiated with her. So it cost me five thousand pounds to do the work. I know how to negotiate fine builders and do that work and where to try I use my trade accounts to get the work done cheap. So it cost me five thousand pounds, but that's five months. Of del- it's delayed gratification again. Yeah. I said I want guaranteed another at least two years in the property because it's probably about I'm probably about two years off of buying my own home. This would have been nice as stepping stone because in that two years if I'd done this I probably would have sold it because I want to build my own home. One of my goals is to build my own home. But uh, but yeah, you can do that to other people's houses if you negotiate it mm. correctly. You could potentially negotiate a rented house as a rent to buy or like there's there's they're called rent to buy schemes and option schemes you say to them look i'm renting this on you i'd like to buy it lock it in i want to do this work to it you get locked in with solicitor and what happens is that rent to buy scheme as well also helps chip towards like some of that money goes towards your deposits and things like that so it's just about being creative and understanding and educating yourself uh, in what to do but as you said again if you really don't like it you're not tired when you rent it either. Yeah. Go and rent something you prefer and i think that's one of the one of the beautiful things about renting is as long as it's um it's like I, like the way I would structure it is similar to the way that you've um described it where it's, um your businesses is paying for the rent and if you're in that type of situation it's like that that just gives you ultimate freedom it's like yeah if it's if it works for you you can stay there for however long you want to stay there but you can also go to a different place if like I don't know you want to live in a different city or whatever you want to live in a different area or something um you can just you have the option whereas if you own the property you can still move but it's a lot more harder and mm-hmm. it's a lot to it and it's um depending on the 
the price at the market at the time, um, you may even have to take a loss. If you want to leave now, but it's not a good time to sell, then you may have to take a loss to do it. And it's, um, yeah, it just seems that I, I would ideally want property that other people live in and I would want um, to rent my place for the for the foreseeable future. At some point, I, I will buy a house, but I don't see the rush to buy a house. I imagine I could have whatever place I want, but just pay the rent for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, it depends on circumstances, who you are, where you are, and what you do. So, for example, what you're saying at the moment, I would encourage because to buy a property around where you live is going to be a really high barrier to entry to get into that property. Uh, but but again, it just depends who you like. Owning the house and paying the asset down does help, especially if you can get other assets and to to put it into there. But for example, Ben, the guy that I'm training at the moment, is working with me. The guy I've been talking about. I'm encouraging him actually to buy his own home. So again, it, this, there's no right one cap fits all circumstances for everybody. Mm. But the reason is he can he can get a government backed scheme for five percent for his own property. I bought my first property. This is a little bit in the grey area, but I bought my first property and rented it out as my first, own property. Mm. You could buy a five percent down property as your own property and uh, and still rent it out with consent to lets, or you could step in the grey area and, and let it out. Uh, if you wanted to, I wouldn't frown on anybody. I couldn't advise anybody to do that, but I wouldn't frown on them to do that. But you can theoretically, like if you bought a property in the North for like 70K with a 5% deposit, you can be into that for like three or 4K. If the barrier to entry is so low, I think it's worth buying your house. Mm. The reason I don't buy my house is because, as I said, like the, the property I'm looking at at the moment is probably 600K. Mm. So the deposit I'll need, the, the amount I have to pay myself and in, in, in income. So I'm going to have to go into a different tax bracket. Mm. So without boring anybody or going too deep into this, I own a large amount, not a large, but a fair amount of property in my personal name. And I have to keep myself under the, the, the higher rate tax bracket. Otherwise the tax on that gets destroyed. Mm. So if I, pay myself more, my income there will get absolutely destroyed and I'll pay more tax as well. Mm-hmm. So it's going to hit me in a few ways. So to buy a house that I wanted would hit me massively in tax. It'd hit me on my income. My income would go down because this, these properties I own. And I have to have a large deposit, maybe around 200K. Mm-hmm. So in my head, it's like, okay, 200K I can go and put to work. Yeah. If I could get, like, if I lived in the north where I buy my properties in a really nice, I can buy a three hundred k house for thirty k. So for me, where I'm at in my journey, thirty k is not a significant amount. I wouldn't have to pay myself like me and my wife's income could cover the mortgage, uh, so we could get ten percent deposit on a three hundred k house, and we'd get a nice, like we'd get probably the equivalent house of what we're in now in a, a really nice area for 300K. Mm. So I would buy that tomorrow because it wouldn't dent my journey. Mm. So what you have to weigh up is, is this going to affect you? Move, could you buy a house and still move forward with your investments? Because mm. if the answer is yes, then it is worth buying your home. But if the answer is no, it's going to, it's going to, like what my like when I go back to my journey, if I bought that house, what I was about to buy, it was £1,200 a month. It was, it was all the savings and the large lump of capital I managed to raise mm. into that. I didn't have no other access to money and, and my, my saving ability was like at the time I think I was paying three fifty in rent, so I would have gone up from three fifty a month in rent to twelve hundred pound a month. So my saving capacity would have reduced. So that it massively affects my journey going forward as investments. Mm. But if I like at the moment, as I said, if I could buy, if I could buy a house of three hundred k and thirty k, thirty k is not going to affect on the grand scheme. I know it sounds like a lot of money. And I'm not saying it in a flippant way or or a uh, a way to be arrogant around money, 
But just the position I've worked myself, and it yeah. took a long while to work into that position. 30k wouldn't dent my journey going mm. forward. 200k would. It would slow my journey down mm. like dramatically. So I think you have to weigh up where you are in your journey. But I've coached many people, and one of the guys I coached, they've just bought somewhere in Wales, they bought in their personal name, isn't it? 5k. Mm. I think they told the bank, I can't name names on this, and I can't say I advise people this. But I said it's an option you could look at. But I think they told the banks that we changed our mind. We don't want to move to Wales now. Like I'm, I'm going to miss my mum's cooking, and mm. and they stay where they are, and they've, they've rented this out. So so they got into a property really cheap. But there is other pros and cons. Like at the moment, first time buyers get different rights with stamp duty and different things. Mm. So you've got to weigh up the overall the overall picture of it. But in general. Yeah, if you want to get started, especially if you, if you live in, in and around London, mm. I, what I encourage people to do is what I do. Find areas remotely. You can do everything from your phone today. Analyse deals, negotiate on them, view deals, mm. network. Find areas where the barrier to entry is still low. Get started and and, and, and then build up your men- momentum from there. Do you ever buy a property or invest in property that you've never seen and don't want to go and see it or it's too out of your way to see it? I, I, no, I, I encourage people to pick one area. So don't scatter going across the UK chasing mm. deals. So my area is Stockton on Tees. Uh, I have got, I've got multiple properties I've never been into still to this day because I've got a team around me that helps and supports with that. Mm. I'm just documenting on my Instagram. I've done a video on my Instagram yesterday about a refurbishment we're doing remotely. And what I say to people is like, your network's your net worth. So you want a good network of letting agents, solicitors, builders. And if you go to multiple locations, mm it'll be difficult to emulate that in loads of locations. But the quickest way to build a network and build rapport with people is by building an online profile. I, I was in my remote location the other day and I'm super humble. I'm a bit embarrassed by it as well, but I'm super humble. Like one of the one of the really big agent in the area, like a letting agent in the area, uh, said, I'll take you to a network event. So he paid for me to go, took me there. First time I'd met him, but he'd seen my content mm. and we'd talk over the phone and across Zoom a few times, but never in person. Took me to a network event. Again, these are quite ma- major players in the area. Never met these guys before, but as soon as I walked in, they gave me a really warm welcome. They all knew me from my content. Even one of the, the host said, yeah, check his content out. He gives out a lot of value on his content. Mm. Uh, and then lots of people in the, in the room knew me. So m- me... The next day, this major uh, agent in my messenger was like, oh, it's great meeting you in person. Love your enthusiasm. Love what you're doing. I think we should look at doing something together. So I've got a business opportunity with somebody much more advanced than I am off the back of my content. If I'd have met him at a normal network event, I've had to meet him maybe 10 or 20 times before he'd realised who I am, what I'm about. Mm. So this is the power of building a long line profile and documenting your journey. Uh, it, 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 will, it, it will massively, massively fast fast track what what you're doing with that. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Where was the original seed question? Um, uh, just have you bought properties that you yeah, haven't sorry. visited? Uh, so, so buy in one area, so don't go in random areas, but I have bought properties in that one area that I haven't visited before. Mm. I've not gone into because I've got a team around me. Yeah. And the video i done yesterday, people always ask me, well, how'd you do this? How'd you manage refurbs? Get support from somebody like... Get a letting agent to like you can do it all over video, and the letting agent can pop in. Like you can get update pictures. Mm-hmm. Like we pay builders in stage payments. So once you're done, once you prove you've up to this point of the renovation, we release the next lot of funds. So that's how you keep builders on track, and you get like my letting agent, which coincidentally I own the letting agency. Like went out and stagged it yesterday. So yesterday I see they've done the work. My 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 uh, my uh, ops manager and bookkeeper that deals with the finances in that part of the business was on holiday, so I had to make the payment. But I was like, okay, let's see proof the work's done. Work's done, and I paid them. So yeah, I've got a handful of properties I've never been into still to this day. Uh, the second one I bought up there, I only actually even went and see that, like as in even from outside. 
probably about a year and a half ago, and I've owned it for probably about nine years. Mm. So I'd never seen it, never stepped foot in it, never even driven past it before. It was, mm. it was quite out of the way from the rest of the ones I buy. Mm. And I looked at it for the first time. So it can be done. That's like a, probably a scary concept mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Um, but because I'm, I'm, you're so experienced in it, it's probably just like another day in the office sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, that's it. People say to me, what is the most difficult thing about remote property investing? I said, mm. the mindset. Because everything you can do in person can be done virtually or outsourced virtually. Mm. So the biggest ally you'll have, and again, when I take people from my training, I, t- I say the big thing is qualifying, disqualifying your network, getting the right people around you, the right builders, the right letting agents, the right, the right estate agent connections, and you, the power of your questions are the power of your results. So the better questions you ask, the more quicker you fast forward that. And again, the better content you put out there and the more you document what you do, you drag them on to seeing what you do so they see you're credible. Because other credible people want to work with other credible people. Mm. Uh, I've got faith in human beings. I think probably about five, maybe 10% of human beings are out to rip you off. Mm. The 90 to 95% I've left in that, in that bracket I've got great intentions, but unfortunately probably only about 10% of them people can deliver on them great intentions. And it's not always skill. Sometimes they're too busy or they're not organized enough or they're just not motivated enough. Some people just haven't got the skill. Like how many drivers do you know that are bad drivers, but how many people do you know admit they're a bad driver? Mm. The unfortunate thing is everybody thinks they're good at what they do. And, and unfortunately some people just not, they're not doing what they're good at. Mm. So it's hard finding that small barrier. So you've got to find, them 10% of people that are good at what they're doing can deliver on what they can do. But then also you've got to make yourself appealable to, to, for them to want to work with you. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, you can build that network out in an area and you can get the support. And I said, the biggest thing is the mindset. So building networks online, quick way to build networks online, not for networking events. You go to them alongside what you do online, but online, Facebook groups, online. Like at the moment, I need somebody to dress. We're doing a guest house and, I need somebody to address it, put the photos up. So I'm online. And off the back of my credibility, what people do is they'll look on my profile and I go, oh, I'd like to work with him. So I've got people in my inbox wanting to work with me. Uh, you can find agents and you can analyse deals. So everything you can do in person can be done virtually. And again, it's that belief, it's that mindset around it. Uh, there is obvious benefits of being closer to it. And there's obvious disadvantages of being close as well. If you, if, if you live in London, the disadvantages, being close means you're going to need probably 100K investment money to get started mm. uh, and really low returns on your capital as yeah. well. Uh, if you invested in London, you're probably going to get a free 4% return on your capital mm. and you're going to probably need six figures to get into it. Mm. Where you invest in the North, you're going to need maybe 10, 15 K to get started and you're going to get probably 10, 20% return on your capital. So again, you have to then weigh up doing these things virtually in a little bit out of my comfort zone. Is that a trade off enough for having a low uh, barrier of entry? Yeah, mm. for sure. And again, it stems from that original question that you were saying, mm. Uh, it's daunting for people. It, 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 it was daunting for me. My build at the moment, I'm doing a £90,000 renovation of an ex-guest house and the builder was like, it must, you must pull your hair out because you're far away. I said, no, I don't. Because ev- like, even if I was, the only reason I would turn up to a refurbishment if it was local is purely for the content, just so I can document and record the content. Yeah. Even if it's local, look, if it's 20 minutes away from where I, very, un, I'd be very lucky to have a property de- deal that might be five minutes away. But if we like, ra- reality is probably going to be 20 minutes away. So me jumping in the car and getting there, by the time I jumped in the car, parked, everything, that's 25 minutes there and 25 minutes back. That's dead time. Like, mm. I could maybe listen to an audio book, but you're not going to get far in 25 minutes. I can make some calls, but it's not much time to make calls. So, that is nearly the best part of an hour of my day gone. So even local deals, I do it all online. I do it all over 
video calls, pictures, unless I want to turn up just to record the content. So again, it's just a mindset shift and, and it's getting more and more easier. With the metaverse coming out, virtual reality, all these different things, it's just getting ever increasingly more easier. It's just... It's just daunting more than anything. What do you think about property in the metaverse? Because you just, you just uh, yeah. mentioned it. Yeah. Do you know what? I've been looking at it. Uh, like I'm, as I said, I've got cryptos, I've got gold, I've got like all these other asset classes. Uh, and one of the ones I am interested in a little bit is is like the blockchain. Uh, I'm interested in more like like Bitcoin for me. Like, there's no utility behind Bitcoin. It's obviously fantastic. It's a great storage of wealth. You got in early enough. That's amazing. But I'm looking at the ones like the Ethereum, like the Solanas. I'm looking at the ones that's got a utility. But then off the back of that, I am very interested in like the crypto gaming and that space uh, and the metaverse because I feel there's a utility behind that because you can see it already now with, with uh, Sandbox and these different games that it's not just a game now. Like you can run around this game. And there's advertising space. You can like, like obviously Snoop Dogg's bought the, I can't remember what the Snoop Mansion, whatever he called that. And there's going to do concerts in there. So you can buy a piece of utility land within there that's got a utility behind it. Mm. So yeah, I'm excited about it, but I'm nervous about it. You don't know what's going to win as well. Look, if you were wanting, it's, this is, Bitcoin and this space is very much like the dot-com boom as it come through. Uh, and very much like the dot-com boom, you don't know which one's going to win. The, the con- I'm, I'm confident that this this technology, the blockchain, I believe contracts, everything is all going to be going onto the blockchain. I believe the way we live and converse is going to go more and more into the metaverse. But what, who's going to win it? What platform's going to win at that? Who, I don't know. Like, look, MySpace was, was a clear leader for social networking. Mm. And I don't even think anybody uses it anymore, let alone mm. it even being where it's at. So you would have bet on MySpace at the time. It was ginormous and Facebook blew it out of the water, you know. Mm. Uh, so, you, so, so you don't know which one's going to win. That, that, that is the thing. But, yeah, I'm excited. I, I keep, I'm tempted to buy some... Uh, 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 digital real estate via the metaverse, via the blockchain. But at the moment, I'm not sure which one's going to win. So I'm dollar cost averaging on a few of them, like Sandbox, the Decentraland, and a few of these. They're going down, which I think is a bonus because you can buy it cheaper. Mm. And as I said, just a small amount into these because it is a gamble because I don't know which one's going to win. But I would like, I'm keeping an eye on them because I would like to buy some land which I could potentially turn into a training suite. Mm. So if someone's playing a game, I've got an advert at the front, do you want to come into one of my workshops? Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I can I can see it going in that direction. But again, it's scary for me. It's out my like a lot of people investing in the north. Mm. This is out of my comfort zone. Like I'm trying. I said to you off a camera that I want to find an apprentice. Part of that role is videography, learning how to build funnels, learning how to build. I, I want to build a software, and I want to build this stuff that goes into the metaverse and into that. But I am procrastinating on that at the moment because mm. it's out of my comfort zone. Mm. It, and and I know I can lose a lot of money, but yeah. also make a lot of money out of that. But I have to work on my mindset to mm. take smaller steps towards that. Maybe it's at this stage an idea to be in and out kind of quickly before it's actually clear which one will be the For one. Sure. Mm. But again, you got it takes time and effort to learn their yeah, markets. You know, yeah. like the, the biggest one, of the biggest dangers and mistakes I see people making in property in or in wealth generation is they try to do too many wealth generation strategies at the mm. same time. And the internet's difficult for this because you do you, you'll be watching 
watching something about property and then somebody comes up about day trading, mm. uh, Forex, and then you'd be watching that and then somebody would be coming up about Spotify and then somebody would come up about how to make money from uh, from, Am- from uh, Amazon eBooks, and mm. you're constantly thinking, wow, that's a great idea. And all of them are great, but if you don't give them the focus, yeah. they, they, they won't work. Uh, I learned a strategy early doors from one of my first mentors and it was 70-20-10. 70% of your energy should be on your main focus, 20% on the secondary one, 10% on the third. Once that's like at the moment, the focus around building a, a metaverse or or some digital assets is daunting for me. But if I do that for a while, it become my norm. When I bought my first property remotely, it was daunting for me. But now I've done it for a while, it's become the norm. Mm-hmm. So once it's a norm, you can park that 70%. If you put some systems behind it and maybe a team, you can park that and you can move your 20 up to your 70 and your 10 up to your 20. If you try and spread them too thinly, too quickly, it's dangerous. So mm-hmm. hence, I've just picked... I'm dollar cost averaging and picked a few that I think might be winners over a long period of time. I'm putting an amount of money into it that I'm comfortable. I don't want to lose ever, but I'm I'm comfortable with losing if it goes that way. And yeah, when like in 2017, that first rally of hype with Bitcoin and everything, me and a few of my friends put money into it. And I put like three or four K into it. Some of my friends put in like 50, 60, 70 K into it. And I said, I'm, I, can, I can live with losing that. And at the time it went all the way down to about, 800 quid and and then it rose massively back up and I pulled a lump out and at the moment now I'm playing mainly with my profits but also I'm dollar costing averaging putting some back in so some of the profits I put back in uh, but again that's what you've got to look at you've got to look at the downside risk so trading in and out of it is where lots of profits are but you've got to really then spend the time and effort mm-hmm. to, to learn that market before you started doing your property portfolio did you have a regular job or did you have, was there something else you was doing? Yeah, so back to what I was saying, transferable skills. Mm. The job I had before it, I was doing plastering. Okay. Uh, I wasn't a full-on plasterer. I worked with a plasterer. Mm. But it's the longest, going back, like, uh, I've always had an entrepreneurial spark since young. Mm. I grew up, uh, I'm mixed race. My dad's from the Caribbean. My mum's white English, was born in Stratford. And, but uh, from a young age, we moved out and we moved to a little village called Averley. So from the age of six, I grew up in a little village called Averley and there was no other, there was one other black kid and he went to a different school. Mm. And uh, yeah, in the 1980s and the, the, the 1990s, or especially in the 1980s when I was in junior school, it, it was it was very different then. But, uh, but from young, because my mum was a single mum, we didn't have much money, we lived on a council estate. I always had some mind, like, I'm, I'm, like going back to that question as well, looping back on what you were saying earlier on, I always had a vision. I knew, I knew I'd be... I had an internal belief and a vision. I knew I'd be into some sort of business and, mm. and being a business person. Didn't know exactly what a business would be. I evolved into that and it's still evolving, but I knew I would be something. But then from young, I used to trade in, in, in stationery. I used to trade in BMX parts. There was a film out when we was young in the 80s called BMX Bandits and all my friends had really nice BMXs mm. because their parents was more affluent. And my mum wasn't and I had a really cheap yeah, BMX mm. well, I didn't even have a BMX to start with I had a cheap bike and mm. so I just again I was resourceful I, I used resourcefulness I remember finding a guy over uh, we used to all our toys when we were kids would come from the boot market like second hand like markets and I remember going we used to go there every week my mum because she couldn't afford to buy stuff new from most of the time and I, and I found this market store that had all these BMX parts on there and the guy did, he was an old guy and he, he must have took it, took it from a clearance or something mm. he didn't know what them parts were so he was sending them for like 20p's and 30p's and I knew them parts were worth like 5, 6, 7, 8 pounds so mm. I was every week I would buy 
one of these one or two of these parts mm. and uh, I would then go and trade them and sell them and I traded into into in, into to, to 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 having a nice bike like anybody else. So I've always been entrepreneurial. I left school before I finished my GCSEs and then I never really had a job. I remember getting up a burger bar at eighteen, uh, I drifted in and out of different things. I drifted in and out of trouble a little bit when I was young. I'm not I'm not uh, unproud of that. Uh, it, I was doing I didn't do anything I've done a few things I'm unproud of over, over my years, but you, you, you often a product of your environment. And I grew mm. up in an area where, where, yeah, there's a lot of people in and out of trouble to mm. be fair. And, and a few of our friends from school, their dads was quite major villains. Mm. And, uh, obviously your role models are what you're around. We used to see them. We used to see them like on a lunch break, pulling up on these flash cars mm. and the lifestyle they had. So back then it intrigued me in, in, into that, but I never done, very early I learned I didn't want to do anything immoral around things I wasn't like I dabbled a few odd things but I realised that's not where my moral compass is at mm. violence wasn't where my moral compass was at even though I got dragged into that in the environment I grew up in uh, but I got in trouble around weed and, and, and smoking weed it got me in trouble both with the law mm. for possession of it and both with myself from smoking far too much of it mm. uh, I'm not against weed still to this day I think it should be legal so I didn't have yeah. my moral compass was like okay even though it wasn't within the lines of the law, I didn't feel like I was doing anything immorally. Mm. Like some harder drugs, I felt there was an immoral compass for me. Like I, I feel them drugs ruined people's lives. Mm. Although I had problems with weed, I uh, uh, it was to do it was more to do with my abuse of that than it was the actual drug itself. Mm. So alcohol, people can have problems with it. Alcohol can be a great if you drink it responsibly, yeah. social, it de-stresses you, and it can be destructive if you if you're not responsible with it. Prescription drug, drugs are exactly the same. Yeah. So uh, I, I abused it and I paid the penalties for that. But uh, going back, I, I didn't have no education, but I was always just hustling, doing things. It said burger bars, hustling around, few things that kind of stepped in the grey area. Nothing majorly immoral. I, I'd done an odd immoral thing from young, but I could never work for people. I used to go and get a job, three months, and I just got that itch and I couldn't. Mm. And as I said, from trading BMX parts, when I was sort of like 16 like jungle music was big at the time yeah. and I and uh, I had decks. I remember again, I went out and traded, I worked with my mum in, like she was a cleaner, went and done some work with her, I traded different bits and I got myself some 1210 Technics. Nice. Uh, and then as a result, with DJ and I got my friends and then I would get, I remember I was, I think I must have been about 15 and, and I knew, look, I, I, I was never really, I, I put on the Pavado when I was young but I was never really tough, you know, and, yeah. uh, but I remember thinking, right, okay, let's, let's get a haul and just rent our hall out, and like I can ask my friend, like they'll DJ for nothing. Like mm. everybody just wanted the slot to be the DJ, you know. Like so, I was like, we can DJ, but I've got a couple of older kids involved uh, who was tough uh, and could DJ as well. So I thought they're, they're my security for free, wrapped in, you know. So if mm. anybody messes around, their security wrapped in. I, I brought them into the profit. It was my sort of my my brainchild sort of thing. And then we got a few another kid whose parent I got on with. Uh, she went and hired a hall for us kind of thing because we could only hold, hire these all once because all, everybody would turn up, everybody would be smoking weed, doing drugs, drinking alcohol, mm. all sort of around 15 sort of age. So then that, that, the person at that hall wouldn't let, let it to us again. So you had to go and find another one. But from young, I used to always, like, but it earned me good money. I remember like, I remember doing my first event like that and I, thought, I can't remember how much I earned, but you've got to imagine like put this in perspective of inflation and what buying power money is today. Back then I must've been 15. I think I earned about 400 pounds, but at the time nice. you could buy, uh, you could buy, it must've been four or 500 pounds off that first event, but you could buy a house. Uh, the house I lived in at the time could have bought for 70,000 mm. pounds. It's now worth 
probably about £400,000. So that's the perspective of you buying power. Yeah. That £400, £500, probably more like two, two and a half grand yeah. uh, in today's buying power today. Uh, yeah, because yeah, well, yeah, 20, 20 years ago nearly. So, so you never really had jobs, always had a little job here and now. Like, again, I've always hustled. So sometimes it's successful yeah. and it'll go to my head. And uh, look, your success can be your biggest threat to future failure because it makes you complacent. If I go to the gym and I get really good shape, I get a bit complacent. I've, I'm, I've hit my goal and I'm, I'm complacent and you, you take the foot off the gas and it's not until you start putting a few pounds on again, I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> I need to get a bit mm. more disciplined and focused with it again. And the same with success. When I've got a lot of money in the bank, I get a bit more complacent. Mm. When I'm up against the wall and things are stretched, at the moment I'm stretched. The project's gone over time, over budget. My banks are emptying. I've got multiple things on. It's not got a plan. Mm. And I'm being much more resourceful again. When I've got a lot more money, subconsciously although I've learned this and I'm better at not doing this so much I take my foot off the gas but yeah I learned me a lot of lessons I earned some good money and then I got complacent and then I had nothing again then I go and get a job and I realised I can't get up and do this 9 to 5 grind every day mm. so uh, I'd go and start again and because I had nothing I'd start all over again and then I'd get in front and then it was that same cycle and I, yes. yeah that has been this has been an evolution I'm getting better and better I still procrastinate I still don't get the full focus mm. but over time, you train it into yourself, you learn that, you get more disciplined. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, I've never really had no jobs, no real, apart from that entrepreneurial spark, there's a transferable skill, as I said, like probably was about 12 when I was trading BMX parts and trading stationery. Uh, as I said, 15, doing events kind of thing, buying cars then. Uh, used to do like cigarettes as well, like was good back then. You could, you could drive down to France back then, fill up a van for the cigarettes and alcohol, yeah. drive back and like, yeah, have a great so profit from that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so I always had an entrepreneurial thing that transferred me across into being able to go into property. Mm. One of the different things that you add to the final product, basically. Yeah, and it's still yeah. Do you have any advice for people that, I don't know, they've started something up and it's like how to, how to deal with something not working out and maybe taking a loss and how to keep motivated and then go to the next thing? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've got like, uh, you learn so much more from your losses than you do from your wins, you know? Like, uh, going back to my well-being, I got sectioned at the age of 21. I got sectioned again at the age of 24. I nearly got sectioned in 20, 2014, hence why I went, do you know what? Like, Einstein said, uh, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is madness. Mm. So I was like, I need to do, I, I want to chase my dreams of fulfilment and entrepreneurship but I can't keep on getting locked up in a mental institution mm. and then taking two years to recover from that and come back to society. So I need to change. And that's when I scheduled in breaks, started doing mindfulness stuff. Really, really. I've always been naturally liked health and fitness, but I took that to another level, started understanding biohacking and my mind and my body and my mind-body connection. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, my advice for people is be patient and consistent. You've got to know when to let go of things. I've got a business at the moment. First year, I lost me about 30K. Second year, I lost me 30K again. The year mm. after that, about 25K. The year after that, about 20K. Last year, it lost me about 15K. And a lot of people will be like, why didn't you let go of this ages ago? Mm. And again, I'm knowing and doing are two different things. You can know the psychology behind something. You can know uh, the principles behind something, but actually putting them into practice is really, really hard. Mm. And at the moment, I'm constantly toying, should I let go of this business? And there's more to it. First of all, I've worked hard on it. It's, it's going towards mm. the right direction of earning. Secondly, it's a business that manages my properties and my investors' properties. Mm. So where I bought properties for investors, like one of my profitable businesses was sourcing and buying properties for other investors. Mm. That's been profitable. And that is the, that, all that profit's been absorbed from this loss-making business. Mm. But... Uh, 
again, I've got a responsibility. These investors have bought properties knowing that I'm going to manage them. So although I might not be the best managing agent in the world, but they trust in me that I will do my best to get that get that right and mm. put that right. So handing it over just to somebody else, especially their properties, is difficult. Mm. Secondly, it is going in the right direction to profits now. We're probably about a year away from profits in there. So it's like, oh, do we give it up? But it's a very difficult business to run. Mm. But you've got to have patience and consistent action. You've got to make sure it's definitely not working before you give it up. Mm. But it's a fine line. You don't know for certain whether that you're going to make that decision right. You know, uh, uh, I remember... The first month we made a profit, because some months it makes profits now, some months it loses. Uh, but as an overall as a year, it don't make money still. Uh, and I remember the first month profit we had on it, uh, every morning I, I wake up and I program my mind. As I said, the programming your mind and setting your subconscious is massive. So I either read or listen to something inspirational, educational, first thing in the morning. I, I meditate, I'll drink water, I'll do some yoga, I'll do some mindful practices, and I'll listen to something inspiring or educational in the morning. And one morning, I love YouTube for this as well because I don't usually watch so much YouTube, but I just listen to it on the background mm. as I'm doing my morning routine. And it come up as a motivational thing. It was a cross. It was Les Brand, uh, Wayne Dyer, uh, Joe Dispenza, Sag Guru. And it was a little mix-up playing between them saying these motivational bits. Mm. And, and literally, this uh, Les Brand's part of it was, it was about the... It was about the bamboo tree and the nut. He said, look, the bamboo tree nut is a hard nut to crack. He said, you have to plant it in the ground. You have to water it and nurture it for five years before it, before it fertilizes and cracks through the ground. But then once it's cracked through the ground, it takes six weeks, I think it is, to grow 90 feet tall. So he says, does this tree grow 90 feet in six weeks or five years? He says, obviously, the answer is obvious. It's five years. He said, that is the same for your business. And it gives me a chill saying that. I, I, I play this over and over, this one. He said, that's getting to know the markets, your credibility, your 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 trial and errors. Like, it takes time and effort. Like, the odd person will buy a Bitcoin as a luck and it just blows up. That's luck. That's not consistent wealth building investment. Your person will be in the right time at the right place and build this app. And then all of a sudden, Facebook will buy it off them for 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 a lot of money. And you can see a lot of these people when they are just luck because they try and emulate that and they, they can never emulate it again, mm. you know? So, but it takes time, effort and consistent action. Sometimes the wind's behind you and it helps you with that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like the advice for people is you've got to keep on keeping on. Like if you, if you've got a real belief in it, stop, keep on messing up. You might have, you, you do have to navigate and realign that. I am still in two minds whether this lettings is the right thing because the time and effort is taking. Also, I'm evolving more and more into my, my dream at that time. My dream at like 32 was to have a lettings company, to have a, a mortgage brokerage company, to have a refurbishment, like renovation development company, uh, to have a company that builds developments, to have my own portfolio and a company that sources other people's investments. So I thought, wow, all these are all within the umbrella and I can do all these together. That shifted. Now as I've got into that and run a few of those, mm. I've had the refurbishment company, uh, I've had the sourcing, the management, I've not got the refurbishment company anymore. I'm now actually scaling back and my desire to have such a big empire mm. is reduced because I want lifestyle around it. And the thing is, the bigger your empire you get, the more you'll trade off your lifestyle for that. Some people will love that anyway. Like some people's mission in life is to have that. Mm. But most people will trade off their time, like kids, families and things like that. So it's trying to get that balance. But my biggest advice to people is be consistent. Give it enough time 
to really know whether it's working or not. Most things do not happen on your time scale. Most things won't happen as quick as you hope them to happen. Like still for me to this day, as I said last year, the loss on that actual business was about, I think about 15 K. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's got to give it patience. Yeah. If for example, it takes another two, three years, but Dennis, like the um, bamboo tree, where mm -hmm. it just soars off, then it will all be worth it. And everything would have, it would have just been the natural progression of it. Absolutely. You earn or you learn. So mm -hmm. funny enough, and going back to that Les Brown, I listened to that Les Brown uh, video that morning and it really inspired me. Then my operation manager phoned me up all excited and we made a £700 win, like uh, £700 profit that month, month mm -hmm. which was a win. Usually it's losing like £1,000 a month. And I was like, wow, that £700, man, you couldn't have swapped that £700 for a million pounds that day, I promise you. Mm -hmm. Like, you could have tested me on that. If you just said to me, well, on that day you could have swapped it, I could have swapped it because I've got the, the knowledge and the learnings from that. But yeah. if you said to me, look, we wind back another five years and you lose all your knowledge, all your credibility, all your network, like everything you've gained in that five years from especially having that business as well, you lose, but you can have a million pounds. Would you take that uh, uh, then? And I'm, the answer would have been no in exchange for that 700 pounds. The answer would have been no. Like what I gained was worth a lot more than the money. So you either earn or you learn and uh, you've got to learn from it. You can't keep on consistently going over there. And at the moment I'm like, am I, am, am I learning from this? Or I'm not. It's a, it's, a, it's a path right. And the reason I'm toying with this again at the moment, even though it's going in the right direction, the biggest picture of this is it manages my properties and my investors' mm. properties. And I've got a low member of staff that's been there and really helped me out with it. So it's not as easy as just breaking away from it. Uh, but also now the reason I'm toying with it is because my evolution is, I, I love this, meta, like the idea of this metaverse, digital and digital assets. That is a new assets for me. And I want to build as many of those and then put that money into buying property. So my dream of having a renovation company, a mortgage company, a letting agent, a sourcing company for investors is no longer there. It's evolved. And that's evolved over the last three years. Mm. And I'm 44. That's why I say to people, it changes. As, lo as the world evolves, as you evolve, what happened yesterday is not the same and what made you happy. Like, I enjoyed sourcing them properties at the time for investors. At one stage, we was buying about three properties a month. Mm. I don't enjoy that anymore. I like buying properties. I like renovating. The one I'm doing at the moment has been really enjoyable. We've done it to a higher spec. I've, I've picked the design. Uh, it's been challenging, but like I, I really encourage people to embrace challenge, uh, Ed to Wall's challenges, because that's where the rewards are. It's been challenging, but very rewarding along the way. But buying three, four, five properties a month for investors now and dealing with all them builders and all them expectations. I've got no desire for that anymore, but it, it served, the, served the purpose going along the way kind of thing. And gave you a lot of um, in, invaluable knowledge. Didn't and, it? and credibility, massive, yeah. yeah. When, when did you start your um, online stuff, like getting um, like your online presence? How, how long into your property journey did you start doing that? Yeah, so, yeah, great question. This is the key behind it. The, the, the key to the kingdom is behind... Uh, getting an online profile without a question of a doubt. Uh, if anybody asks me in any business, by the way, the quickest way to grow any business is by building an online profile. You've got to educate yourself. You've got to do the other things around that. But the thing that will fast forward that, can you do it without that? Yes. But you will leave so much on the table if you don't, if you don't do that. And it will slow you down dr dramatically. But uh, in 20... In 2016, I went to Bali. I'd done, I'd done a training course. I'm, I'm, I'm big into investing in myself, into my, into my knowledge. And I trained with a guy called Roger Hamilton. He's got a thing called Wealth Dynamics. So he says everybody's got a different profile and a different strength. And I went and done an entrepreneurial, not property, just an entrepreneurial business training with him in Bali, two weeks in Bali. And uh, on day four, I think it was, they went, right, tomorrow, uh, 
I think I, I think I just set up my first Facebook. I set up Facebook probably in 2014. I went to my first network event and I wanted to get into the Facebook groups. And I still didn't do anything with my profile. I had no interest on social media. And I set up, uh, I didn't post anything in there, but I just got in the groups and, and like, connected in the groups and see the stuff in there. I just was an observer of it at that time. I didn't even observe, I didn't get sucked into social media observing what people had for the dinner last night and where what they're doing, like social side of it. But I was observing like, like, like uh, I was using it for education tools sort of thing. Then in 2014, I'd already set up a, I'd, I'd already set up a Facebook uh, a page, but all I was doing is sharing other people's sort of stuff, other posts and, and I'm dyslexic, so I wasn't writing on there, and I was too scared to do any videos, so I definitely wasn't doing those. But we went to Bali, and on day four of the training, they went, right, tomorrow you're doing videos. Mm. And I was like, no way, like, I don't do those. And the thing is, I'm, I'm a little bit introverted, uh, but if you talk about something I'm excited about, even though I'm nervous, my excitement will overrule the emotion of nerves, mm. and I will kind of talk about that. So I was in an entrepreneurial environment, environment, sorry, and I was really excited to be there around other entrepreneurs. I was in Bali, so I was excited. So then when they was talking about doing videos, everybody was going, oh, you'll be great at these because, yeah, I can go, as you can see already, I can go on tangents, I can talk about stuff. So I was like, no, no, it's not for me. I don't need it in my business. I don't want it, I don't blah, blah. But the fact is, and this is the power of investing, I've invested thousands of thousands of pounds in this course. I was there, I accountability and and financial commitment to that. Mm. So when you pay, you pay attention. Uh, and when you have accountability, you get things done kind of thing. So I wasn't going to be the only person and turn up the next day and say, I'm not doing a video. Mm. So I was embarrassed into it. And they said, look, go back to your room tonight. Like the guy, Roger Hamilton owns this whole resort basically. So we, we stayed on the resort. Go back, practice, get your iPhone out and just start recording. I'd done nearly 40 takes recording. A lot of them was like two seconds, three seconds, eight seconds. And it's because I was literally just stumbling on the first few words and I couldn't, like, it was terrible. And then I just about practiced enough, practiced again in the morning, went to went to do the video. It's all set up with, like, proper lighting and everything. And it took me probably another about 10 takes to actually record something. And even at the end, the guy was just like, yeah, just carry on practicing. Like you couldn't, you couldn't really say anything that positive because it was, it was terrible. And I come out there because I was embarrassed. And again, this has happened. You've got to learn your brain. A natural evolution of our brain is to lead us towards pleasure and away from pain. Uh, but that was great, as I said, when you're running away from saber toothed uh, tigers and things like this, or or tribes trying to invade you, uh, and when or when you try and reserve your energy and like because again, pleasure is sweet stuff. Your brain is naturally guided towards pleasurable things that makes your life easier and reserves energy today then rules are, are, are gone because we've got food in abundance shelter in abundance no not so many dangers in the world so but the same mind evolution of what was worked then today so the thing is that was messing out my comfort zone so rather than admitting that i was scared of it it was easier to pretend to myself and we are the easiest person to pretend to ourselves to that i don't need it it's not for my business mm. Because I was embarrassed. I, it, it made me feel crap. So rather than admitting to like just being crap at saying it, I just said, I don't need it. Then I started watching a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk and he, he kept saying, look, I kept on thinking I need to make these great presentations and write these great articles. And uh, it really resonated with me. Gary Vaynerchuk says, document uh, what you're doing. Uh, not uh, yeah, Just document your life. 
And he, he, he done exactly, I remember watching a video and he, I can't remember the guy's name. I can't find it. I wish I did. I'll give him credit. And he said, look, this guy's in real estate, as they call it in America, or properties, we call it in the UK. He said, this guy's in real estate and he's just documenting what he's doing. And I, so I clicked through and watched what this guy's doing. And this guy was just sitting outside property saying, I just bought this property and blah, blah. He was a bit rah, rah, falling on the American in your face for my liking and my personal preferences. Gary V was when I first came across him as well, by the way. But for... I'm humble like that. If I don't, like, so was Grant Cardone, so was uh, Tony Robbins. I didn't like their personality. Not like, I wasn't a fan. Of, I don't like to use that word, not like, but I wasn't a fan of their personality. It's not, it wasn't something I naturally gravitate towards. Mm. But their message was was undeniable. Yeah. So it's like, okay, humble yourself just because you, you're not gravitating. Now I love them. I love, I love all them characters and I warm towards them because I've watched them enough. And, and, and I've come around to it. But he said about this guy documenting. And then one day something clicked in my head. I re- and I listened to uh, a podcast from uh, Tim Ferriss. And he said, the thing you want to do the least is always the thing you need to do the most to be able to excel forward. All reward is on the other side of the uncomfort. That's where you get rewarded. If you stay, like, if, like as you said, buying family homes there is, like, I feel a little bit embarrassed and a little bit arrogant saying this, but buying them don't do nothing for me anymore. Mm. It don't do a major deal to my wealth anymore because like, like, and again, I feel embarrassed. I'm not saying this to be flippant. It took me a long while to get to this. But adding another two, three hundred pound a month income to it, I don't notice that so much at the moment. Mm. Uh, and doing the works to it, I can kind of do that in my sleep now. So it, mm. it don't do nothing for feeling for me. But again, I was, I've done a few larger projects and got some pain along the way doing those. And mm. I just uh, stayed in my comfort zone, but I wasn't getting rewarded from that anymore. And I took on this larger project and it's been massively rewarding. Uh, so you, I, I heard... Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk saying document it was in my mind and then I was literally I didn't plan this I was up north that morning doing my morning routine stuff listening to uh, Tim Ferriss saying saying that quote I just said and I was like do you know what let's just do this let's just do what that guy done I didn't script it I didn't plan it I just literally pulled my phone out and I went right I'm just sat outside of a property that I've just mm. bought uh, blah 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 I walked in and I walked around I showed them told them the numbers of it then pre- I didn't do it live so then pressing Pressing upload, upload yeah, yeah, it was massive. And I thought all my friends, all that little internal dialogue, your friends are going to criticise you. Who do you think yeah. you are? You think you're an expert? Blah, blah, blah. So I had to work for all that, but I've done it. And I've got loads of like... Bef- Positive feedback. Yeah. Mm. I was shocked. I was like, wow, I thought everybody's going to be really negative. Mm. Um, and then at the back of it, I've got investment. I've got so many people go, oh, what are you buying? How is it? Like people I knew, known mm. for years, who I didn't even know had money. He was like, oh, I've got some money. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that. So then this fueled it. It was like, okay, like, I can get you a deal and and then I could add more to document about it. and then the mm. more I documented, the more people kept on coming to me with money saying, mm. I've got, I've, I didn't realise you could get into property with such a low barrier. Like, I've got some money and I'd say, well, do this, do that, do that and oh, do you want to actually do it for us because, yeah, I haven't got time to drive up north like you do so mm. it fueled it. So then I, I started doing one piece of content per week uh, and then, I kept, I've got this itch inside me for ages to, to coach people, to advise people. I've always done it since doing the BMX stuff from a young kid through to the burger bar, through to everything I've done. I've always been one of these people that massively encourage and massively get frustrated with my friends uh, for not doing it and try to bring them in on it. And all the, all the, every single learning, earning strategy I've ever done from young, I always shared it. And everybody go, why shit, don't tell anybody your secret. And I'll be like, no, tell, be transparent exactly how I've done it, exactly what I've done. Much to my detriment a few times, a few people just try, like friends as well, would do exactly what I was doing with the people I was doing. Like, I'd be like, 
I told you to do it, so you go do it yourself, mm. not not do it. And but anyway, that, that was lessons. But I still don't hold that back. And I didn't realise that today, as I studied psychology, that's just reciprocity, and it don't always come back to the person you give it to. It comes back somewhere else. Mm. But the feel good factor you get from that is worth way more than money. Yeah. But ultimately, you do need to be in a position financially to be able to give that back. Hence, why every week I give any of your people that's watching or listening, if you DM me or um, probably on Instagram, Harvey Growth Properties, DM me, discovery call, and I'll send you a link. It'll be no sales. I'll just help you in your journey, advise you whether it's mindset, business. So I, I love business. I love mindset. I love like personal health and development, mm. biohacking. So anybody who wants any help on anything, reach out to me. I'll set out some free time each week to do that. Mm. That reward is ginormous. So I always want to be a coach, uh, but, but I was... Nervous about being a coach because the criticism coaches get, the, the the slander, and and again, out of my comfort zone. I was familiar with doing something. Mm. I was like, ah. Oh. So I kept on toying with it, toying with it, toying with it. Uh, and then, as I said, done loads of free content, information around it. And then I, I see Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi bought out a called Mastermind, how to create masterminds and coaching programs. Mm. So I bought their program. So again, when you pay, you pay attention. I invested in it, thought it was good. Then I come across a guy called Russell Brunson. And both of them are saying, Russell Brunson got bought into uh, uh, into that mastermind with Tony Robbins, mastermind company with Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi because he's just a phenomenal, a phenomenal a genius of a marketer and if anybody's not heard of him I definitely encourage you to go and check out uh, Russell Brunson and it just changed like it changed my world uh, he's got books called dot com secrets expert secrets and traffic secrets and I, I, from 2014 I read and listen bearing in mind I'm a bit dyslexic but I read around 30 books a year 20 30 books a year and listened to around 70 80 books a year so I've done about 100 books per year every year all the way up to 2020 and then I come across these now saying, do daily content. Like, it will transform your business. And I was like, oh, should I, should I not? So I was dabbling with content. And every now and again, I would do it one a week. From from 2016, when I went to that uh, Bali, uh, once a week, I would do a piece of content. And then every now and again, when my son was born, I was like, oh, not got enough time because I still wasn't comfortable with it. Mm. Or if any reason come up, I would drift away from it. Mm. And then both of these were saying, you've got to do daily content. So... I was like, okay, I need to do daily content. I, I bought into what they're saying. So initially I started writing content because I was still nervous about doing the videos. And I knew I had to do lives. Lives was the one that suited me at the time. One, I was getting big reach. And number two, it suited the way I ramble and go on. It suited the way, because everybody's got a way that content will suit you. If you're, if you're good at writing, blog, you know, like if you're good at like just chatting, podcast, if you're, if you're good at visuals and creative, like, YouTube or short short videos. Short videos works for everybody at the moment. It's just, it's exciting little niche that mm. can be blended into all of the strategies, really. But uh, but anyway, I come to uh, 2019. I invested. I bought a course, and like anything, I was really excited about the start. And then it's coming towards the end of the course, and it was time to actually press the button. Yeah. I was slowly procrastinating. I got sidetracked. I took you do active procrastination. I took on more projects in my business, and mm. and it was getting slower and slower to the back burner. Then we come to COVID in March and everything locked down and my sourcing bit, I two deals in legals uh, and three deals negotiating on the table for other investors. I charged five and a half K per deal. So that was quite a lot of money. All the legal, everything shut. So I was like, oh, like that money's not going to filter through into my business. I still got the overheads of my business, my team, my, mm. my compliances, my insurances and my softwares. Also my lettings business, which had just started that just a month before I made some money. I was like, way we make money is from the commissions, from refurbishments, uh, from uh, ma maintenance, from tenant finding, 
that shut. We couldn't do any maintenance. We couldn't do any tenant fines. So that took that into a loss again. Like I was like, right, okay, this dream was like doing my coaching. I've got to bring to the forefront now and get out my own way so the, often that's a really good way to get get out your own ways that you've got to relate a big enough fear for staying where you are over the fear for going out of your comfort zone so the fear of losing what I'd like done with those businesses to that point was much more bigger than the fear of putting yourself out yeah and mm. so then I've done daily lives I remember doing my first live so I really took it serious about March March in 2020, when COVID started, that's when I really took content serious and I really started studying it and doing daily content. And we, I put out probably about three to five pieces of content every single day now. Mm. Uh, and instead of dram- every single week, I have people in my inboxes wanting to do business with me, coming towards me. As I said, I went to that network event. One of the major players in that network event wants to do business with me. Mm. I have investors in my inbox. I've got some money. I've got 100K. I've got this much money. Mm. Like, And it's not come overnight. It's been consistent action, uh, consistency. But by barring none, it's been the biggest influence on my business. And I wish I picked it up earlier. But yeah, long, long, long answer to your question. But no, it's good. Uh, like the whole journey, like I think it's all important. So, yeah. the, so would you say the, the major changing point with your content was when you started doing it daily and mm-hmm. like, every, like would you say the live as well? Yeah, at the time, lives were working really well. Facebook mm. algorithms was pushing lives mm. uh, and it was working really well. Uh, but again, you've got to evolve. So it's working really well. What I've done, my strategy was do Facebook lives, go into Facebook. Facebook groups are great because the thing is getting a following is difficult. It takes time, effort, consistency. Can be done, but it takes effort and time. That's why most people mm. give up. Most people do a video, get two likes, and they go, oh, nobody <laughs> likes me. And it does. Yeah. It, it does mess with even to me to now with my mindset. It messes with your ego. When you see somebody do something, they get triple the reach that you've got, and you've spent a lot of time and effort, and you, and you feel that they've not put as much value out of you. That little internal voice does mess with you, but you've, you've got to learn to quieten that voice. It won't go away, by the way. Mm. Like the people that are super successful, they don't learn to shut the voice up completely. Mm. They just learn to tell it to... F off mm. like quicker, like they just don't pay attention to it. They learn to navigate that voice, but you all still get it. But, uh, but yeah, that first of all, I started with lives because it worked, it worked really well for the content, the way I done that, and Facebook was good with it. And then all of a sudden, overnight, Facebook's algorithm changed, and I was in groups, so I was getting sort of a thousand to two thousand views on my stuff, and overnight it changed. And I was like, oh, like, so then it was feeding, and it was right when I took on. It was right on when I took on this bigger project as well. So I was hoping I'd have a bit of income from my coaching stuff to supplement this project. I didn't have enough money for this project. So I was like, oh, what do I do? I had to evolve. So then I looked at TikTok and the short form videos and I didn't want to do them, first of all, because out of my comfort zone. I got familiar with doing these this, and it was working. Mm. And then it all sudden changed. So I was like, okay, short form content. I can see the benefit in it because nobody's got time today. Like everybody wants instant Mm. like instant sort of gratification mm. so i evolved uh, i jumped onto tiktok started doing short form stuff uh that's where the pre- predominant amount of my content comes from but now i've got a bit of a team behind it so we do long form stuff but we edit that's how i put out yeah. so much content mm. seems like i'm not omnipresent uh i create actually less content than content goes out but we strate- I strategically create it so it can be reformed into short-term content mm. uh, long-form content podcasts and so forth so do you have a team that runs the social stuff for you? Yeah, I've got a team behind the social. So I've got a guy in the Philippines, not in the Philippines. Uh, I did have a guy in the Philippines. We just got rid of him because he wasn't working out. So I had Philippines, uh, Venezuela, 
and the guy he's in it's down near uh Shrewsbury, it's called uh near Stonehenge. Um, and I did have a guy from Romford a little while ago again, didn't work out finding the right teams. And mm. the guy was decent, some of these are decent, they just don't work between you or they just get sidetracked or or, or they're, like their their paths changed. Mm. Hence, why I'm out looking for somebody new at the moment. But yeah, I've got a team behind it, like. Like Gary Vaynerchuk will talk about like you've got to put out five pieces of content a day, blah blah blah, and, and he's got truth behind it. But he's got a team of thirty people behind mm. his personal brand, you know. So start where you're at. I, I, I advise people to start with daily content, though. I advise people at the moment to start with reels, but again, or and start with Facebook groups because the difficult thing is with reels you've got to build up a following. So I've done. I, I done Instagram. I started Instagram in March, uh, twenty twenty. Uh, Again, because I just stayed on Facebook, I knew it, I was familiar with it. Mm. And what I started doing is just posting the odd bit on Instagram. I didn't do what, in, like each platform, this is, if I was advising anybody at the moment, is short form content. And the exciting thing about this for me at the moment is Facebook groups have just started reels. Uh, Facebook can do, you can do reels in there. Instagram reels, you've got TikTok, you've got YouTube shorts. So you can create one piece of content in one style that can, that can translate across yeah. all the platforms mm. and go viral as well. All of them are competing for for your time and 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 your your efforts at the moment. It won't stay forever, by the way. So you can create one piece of content where what I was doing, I was doing lives and we was just posting them on YouTube and it wasn't doing well because it wasn't YouTube ready content, mm. you know. And uh, vice versa, I was posting some of my lives from Facebook onto my my onto my Instagram or just putting the odd post up and. I wasn't doing what Instagram wanted, like these carousels and this stuff. I gained a bit of a following, but over a two-year period, I gained uh, over a two, roughly two years. I gained probably about about two thousand four hundred followers. Mm. I then shifted to these TikTok and the short-form content, and then I started repurposing from TikTok straight onto Reels. And within a couple of, like, I done over a thousand posts to get a couple of thousand followers. Then I've done a couple of hundred posts in a couple of months and got like 5,000 followers. Uh, so, and it was all stuff that could be placed on other platforms as well. Mm. So at the moment, barring none, the biggest reaching stuff I'm getting is your short form content. I still do create long, longer form content because that's, that will, that feel the short form content filters people in yeah. and then they watch the longer form stuff and they get to know you a bit more. I still do lives as well, but, uh, I try to do my life strategically so that they can be turned into a YouTube. So I'll do an intro and outro before and after the live. And I'll record a certain amount of the live without engaging uh, because obviously on YouTube, people don't want to see you reading comments and mm. engaging. So I strategically will record lives to create longer form content from as well. Mm. When you first started, you got um, loads of positive feedback from the people around you. Did you get negative feedback as well? Not much when I started. Again, this is the thing. So most people get like disheartened because they're not getting big reach because they're not getting loads of likes. And it's great at the start because you can practice, like you you have to find your voice. You get the odd exception that's an extrovert that can just go straight out and create content. Mm. You usually have to find your voice, get your confidence and build up. And as you're finding them, you've got a lower audience, which is good because you most people are crap at the start. Mm. Like I think Kev sent me over a few bits of you like playing, like, like, like some of the songs you've done. Yeah. Like, Look at Ed Sheeran. When Ed Sheeran first started busking and playing guitar, his singing was crap, his guitar was crap. And it was a journey. He's carried on in that and, and he become good. And he obviously had some innate skills and abilities, but he honed that. It's like a comedian. You'll see a comedian like do a set like, uh, oh, who, who is that East London comedian? Uh, he, he does the art stuff and... Uh, 
We're going out. Uh, oh, what's his name? But he says on one of his things, he said, I'm an overnight success. He said, I've only been doing it for 10 years, all the small dyers. And what they do is they, they go out and they practice it and they do some, they do some content. Same as, Oasis, they, they, their first album was massive. And what they do is they do small gigs and they practice the songs and they go, okay, that song was rubbish. That one had a big hit. And they just refine it, refine it, refine it. And then when they have their first album out or when they do their first big road show as a comedian, mm. that's great because they've been refining that for ages in the background. And same with your content. Refine it when the audience is small. Refine, find your voice. Find a way you deliver content. Get used to it. Because the pressure's off as well because there's not so many eyeballs on there. So at the start, there wasn't so much uh, hate. And again, if you go in Facebook groups, there's not as much hate as well because you're just in them community. Yeah. Like, like I said, to build up an Instagram following or a TikTok following, like TikTok, and Instagram reels is a bit easier at the moment, but it takes you time and effort. Where Facebook, there's groups with 50,000, 100,000, million people already in these groups, mm. all with the same interests as you. So you're not going to get the same criticism. But hate started coming to me with via, like with more viral. As soon as I start getting views, going 100,000, mm. million, that's when the hate comes because it goes across the path of people that are not into what you're into. Yeah. So this this last year, I've experienced a, a lot of it, uh, like just from my short stuff and the stuff that's gone viral. But for me, it's just a trade-off. Uh, and look, I had a video the other day, done 50,000 views. It was sat there, plateaued at 50,000 views for the last about three weeks. I didn't look in there and I noticed, oh, there was a load of comments on there. I didn't realise I'd done 50,000 views. And I see the comments like, scum, landlord, blah, blah, all these like, like a parasite and just these really negative comments, mm. preying on the vulnerable. And I do this, these deals with social housing. So we work with refugees, vulnerable tenants coming over drug problems mm. uh, and basically we home them. So the government can't home them. They haven't got the resources to home them. Uh, and so these are charities. So what we do, and, and we actually rent them to them for below market value. So we don't get the full market value from these. We you have to strategically pick the right areas to put these in. So you can't put vulnerable tenants in really, really run-down areas, but also you can't put them in affluent areas. It's just not mm. a right fit. Mm. So we take these properties and we put these vulnerable tenants in there. Uh, and, I, and I shared one of the deals we've done, but they're great as well because like, these companies will take, me, take them from me for five, six, seven, ten-year leases, guaranteed income with no maintenance, no repairs. So although we're getting less monthly, man, there's no management headaches, there's no repairs, they just deal with that. So it's a very passive income and it's a strong income as well. And you're doing a good thing at the same time. You're mm. giving homes to people uh, that are vulnerable, need them. So these people in these comments was like, you parasite preying on the, on the vulnerable. I said, how am I preying on the vulnerable? Mm. But again, I've done this on purpose because I know the more you engage these, you're never going to win them over. Mm. But it, like, I engaged a few of them, said, how is it vulnerable? I'm giving these people homes. The government's not got these homes. Like, like, mm. This home st stayed on the market as well. This house that I'd done this with was on the market for ages. So a home buyer could have easily bought this. Mm. It was a reasonable, I bought it for 56K, so it wasn't at price for a home buyer. It sat in the market for six months. So I'm not, I wasn't sneaking in. I just made a strategy with this that worked for that house where it was. Nobody wanted to live there. Mm. But I answered all these questions in there and overnight it had 30,000 views because they'd all come back in with loads more hate. Mm. So embrace the haters really. Uh, mm. Like it was narrow-minded people. You, you can't get around it. extreme left-wing style people but mm. it's just it's a price you pay to get in getting your reach and your audience wider unfortunately mm. but at the start it'll be if you go in facebook group i i the people i coach is encouraging to go in facebook groups they're friendly there's people in there like-minded so you, you won't experience that so much at the front end and you can thicken your skin while you go along and, and craft like hone your craft a little bit more before you in, encounter that i was gonna ask um how if when you do feel uh, when you do get like loads of negative um hey how do you like not allow that to take you off your your journey basically how do you keep going with yeah that? so there's some as i said i've been 
biohacking, mind hacking, mm. like since 2014, really deeply. And look, there's a, there's a lady, the biggest biohack and mind hack that I've found is called the five second rule. Her name's Mel Robbins. And our brain, when you look at our brain on a scientific level, and I try not to explain this on a scientific level, I'm not scientific as well, but basically we've got different parts of our brain. We've got our own old reptilian part of our brain. We've got our, 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 our computer part of our brain. I read a book called The Chimp Paradox, and he said, look, we've got a chimp brain. That's where our ego is, where emotions are. It's, 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 it's the prefrontal, co- uh, no, it's the limbic system part of our brain, sorry, if you look at it on a scientific part. And what happens is, uh, when our eyes see it, our ears hear it, it goes into this it's into this part. And how I explained it in this book for me was was great. It's like the bouncer on a nightclub door. Like he's probably not got loads of brains, but he's big brawn and he, he just like he stops you from going in. So it stops it from going in. But in this section, it's where all your emotions bubble up. So it's where emotions get craved built and it said our brain evolutionary emotionally reacts and responds naturally to reserve energy because back in the day you had to either fight or fight or flight or fight uh so you had to react so we emotionally react to things unconsciously and then our egos then justifies our emotional reactions but we've got about a five second window before these emotional reactions happen now prefrontal cortex is a front part of our brain where the thinking is that's the computer part of our brain explains in this chimp paradox so what we need our prefrontal cortex is what says we need to invest we need to eat better we need to exercise this is the part of the brain that's a logical thinking unfortunately we get hijacked by the part of the brain which all emotions are in and which leads us to the path of at least resistance and comfortability which is often the thing that's not rewarding so but if you learn that and you can hack that and the simplest hack is the five second rule so if you can't back five four three two one and take an action step towards what you want to do uh, if it's a really big task, I'll do a breath exercise. So this breath exercise, I have a box breathing. So box breathing is done like was, I think Mark Mark Devine really popularised it. I don't know if he actually invented it, but Navy SEALs, obviously they're in a highly stressful uh, place. When they're about to pull the trigger, they do the breathing exercise, which is breathing in for four seconds, hold four seconds, breathe out four seconds, hold four seconds. That will deactivate the stress hormone in your head. So the Navy SEALs, Google, all these people are using brain science at the moment to really analyze how our brain works. So uh, with fMRIs, uh, electroencephalograms, we can right start seeing where these emotions and these trigger points are, are, are leading up. But if you get to know yourself you can see what triggers these points. And you've got five second windows before it goes to that part of the brain, before you've lost it from your from the part of the brain that's going to logically think. So if you go five, four, three, two, one, take an action step, you can move away from the emotions. And I use this in all life. Like every day I'll cold showers and I don't want to have cold showers. It's designed because I don't want to have them. It's good for inflammation. It's good for mindfulness because if you struggle meditating, like in 2014 when my mind went wild and I was nearly going to sex, being sectioned again, I uh, said, right, okay, I need to meditate. And I could only meditate a minute because my mind was just too busy. And I built up a little bit more and a little bit more. I didn't know at the time. Again, that's that small habits and building on them. And uh, basically, I couldn't meditate. But anybody who's got a mind like that and you can't meditate, get in a cold shower, I guarantee your worries about the bills, your girlfriend argument you had yesterday or whatever it is, that will go. All you'll be concentrating on is your breathing because you're so cold. So it's good for that, but it's also good for winning my brain because every day I have them points where I don't want to do stuff. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. If I can persuade myself every day to turn that cold, that hot shower to cold, that helps train my mind into 
navigating away from that. So it's that five second rule. So when I read something like that, my motions then go towards that. I go five, four, three, two, one, and I'll focus on the good I'm doing. And I'll focus on the past I'm doing. Does it hurt still? Yes. But I, I navigate away from that. We, I learned to navigate away from that, as I said. Another thing you have to navigate away from is comparing yourself to people. You can't help it. Like It's an unnatural brain. Oh, wow, look. I've been working really hard and he's just done one post and he's got virality from one post and I, I, I've been chipping away. You can't help it. But you, again, five second rule, five, four, three, two, one, take a breath exercise and, and navigate away. Mm. Yeah, I think that's uh, useful information because um, sometimes it, it is easy to, I don't know, start getting down about um, mm-hmm. like negative feedback, especially when it's like your friends and your family and people are just like, saying discouraging things like and they can't see your vision like they can't see what you're aiming towards and they just see the things that the the things that they want to point out as uh, i don't know like the different criticisms they want to give yeah um, absolutely and it goes back to that what we're saying at the start most people get trapped in that rat race and emotionally rather than admit like like, similar saying back with the content rather than admit i'm scared to it's easy to pretend to yourself that this is the norm and what you should be doing and what people do is they enforce their limiting beliefs onto you because only about five percent of people live fulfilled in in the world it's sad you know do something they enjoy every day get the financial rewards what's like when you study ikiai from ancient philosophy from the Japanese again it says find like find stuff that you enjoy doing and monetize it because money is important people that pretend money is not important are the ones that's not got the courage to go after what they want what they want because it takes courage and commitment and consistency similar again people that pretend that they don't want to be in good shape are the ones that haven't got a consistent effort to to, to do and the discipline to do behind what you have to do people fool themselves with that you might have the odd exception like one percenters that are but the reality is most people are implanting their limiting beliefs onto you and their own internal, like, unsatisfaction onto you. So that's where, my, when I do the five second rule, I realise, look, it's your uneducation, your own disappointment in your own life. Like, people go to me, oh, you'll take, you greedy landlords. I come from nowhere. I come from a council estate myself. Like, don't tell me, like, you can't tell me that. So then I have to, before I emotionally respond to that, I just take myself back to, look, you just not had that right education. And actually, like, I, f- I feel for them, you know, like, I'm like, okay, like, hopefully one day you'll stumble across that. Um, mm. Like, what can I do? Like, like, there's enough abundance in the world for everybody. Yeah, it's been a really good conversation. I'm just going to ask one more question and then we'll wrap yeah, it okay, up. Cool. I know you're busy. Um, I was going to ask you, because you, you said, um, you, you, you mentioned quite a few books that you've read. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favourite book? A favourite book? Uh, depends, depends on what subject. So, n- if we're going to talk about wealth in, in general, for mm. wealth, Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah, uh, that's my favourite one as well. Is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for wealth. But yeah, I've got tons, of, like five second rules up there. Mm. It depends depend on what it is. Uh, for business, the Russell Brunson's dot-com secrets and uh, expert secrets and traffic secrets, the most, them books have had the biggest impact in on me in my business journey. And as I said, I've probably done about 100 books. Uh but yeah, there's lots, there's lots of ones that are impactful. Uh, the richest man in Babylon, yeah, it's like, I've read it so many times. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's almost like a Bible or something. It's mm-hmm. just, it's so good. It's, maybe it's the way that they, that the, like it's old English or whatever mm-hmm. it is, the way that they talk. There's something about it. Like, but all of the, me- all of the lessons in that book really changed my life. And I read it quite a few years ago now, but yeah, it's just, it's like, I, I've, I've, I've advised loads of people to read it because it, um, it just makes you have like a, 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 it fully like explains what money is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's whether it would be, um, 
whatever currency you're dealing with, it's that the principles remain, isn't it? Yeah, it's like gravity. The principles mm. behind money, the, the law behind it's the same. Yeah. I got a big part of them indoors in my bookshelf because mm. I buy them. So I give them out every year. I listen. I love listening to that as well because mm. the the narrator on that, especially on Audible, the rates it really, really well. Yeah. He, t- he does the accents in, mm. and where it is old English, I've read it and it's difficult for me to read a little mm. bit. But listening to it, I listen yeah. to that at least once a year. And, and now my boy's about four. I'm going to start probably when he's about five or six. And he's just getting to that point. We've and again going back to what I was saying earlier on about that, that learn stuff. He, he loves reading. He loves that sort of stuff. And yeah, that, that's that's going to be probably come out around about five or six years old. And mm. that'll be a book we'll be reading as his bedtime stories. Yeah. Well, if I do ever have kids, um, or when I do, um, I'll probably do the same. It's uh, yes, yeah, I feel like it's an essential. If if everyone like read that book in school or something, I think everyone it would just be Absolutely. a beautiful thing. And in there, that's exactly when people criticize me about, oh, you're greedy, you're taking this. Exactly in that book, it says money goes where energy flows, kind of thing. Yeah. Money just follows energy. Mm. And like at the moment, there's we've not got hard currencies, we've got fiat, fiat money that just mm. gets printed. Like m- money comes out of energy and creativity. So, and the more that filters down, so if I've got energy, creativity, the more I'm going to give, like the more I'm giving contractors jobs. If I build a home, I give mm. contract. that's straight, straight from the book. The more the contractors will get jobs and then more, then cleaners will get jobs. Mm. Uh, and then, and then like people that make curtains and mm. it, it filters down, you know? So yeah. there's abundance out there. Abundance in infinite, in infinite. It's yeah. just, it's the mindset and the learning, the willingness to learn. The unfortunate thing is year, for years, this was a secret. Today it's not a secret anymore and and the, the gap's getting wider and wider. Less and less people are going towards that and the biggest thing behind it, like you can go on YouTube and find out to do literally anything today. You can find out to be a cook, uh, a billionaire, uh, a real estate or property uh, mogul. You could learn how to be an online e-commerce person. You can learn anything today. So there's a massive knowledge action gap. And this comes from Mel Robbins stuff. Again, that five second rule mm. book is really, really a powerful book. Uh, we've got a five second windows in our brain, which makes us not take action. Most people don't do what we know. So the most important thing is the mindset. So the knowledge is abundant today. And, mm. and again, then people that criticize and moan are the ones that just don't go off and do it themselves. And they've got their own internal hatred you know so yeah one of the things that i've um asked quite a few guests is um what do they think about the old trope um money is the root of all evil mm. because I, I completely disagree with that the, with the premise i think you money can do a lot of good and with no money it's hard for you to do the good mm. that you're able to do with the money it's like as you said like just spending money like giving people um jobs giving people it's like you're you in in all of your efforts. You've probably fed so many families just by everything you've done, and you could have just as easily not done anything. And how would you be as helpful to society? Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. You need money to impact. Mm. Uh, again, it goes back to that giving. Like if, before, you give, you've got to, you've you've got to take kind of thing. You've mm. got to, you've got to earn to get into, into a giving position. And money's neutral. Like money is not neither bad or good. It just yeah. depends what you do with it. You know, so it depends your intentions behind it. Mm. So. Yeah, it, it, it's a it, it's a false belief, and again, it's a because I say this to people sometimes. I'm a content finish the conversation. Money is the root of, and people say all evil. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, money is, and people say like yeah, they answer it naturally, mm. and, and that's internally driven into people, mm. and it's it's poor. Yeah. You need money to to do good, you know. Yeah. So you can do good or bad with it. It's neutral, you know. Yeah, yeah I agree. But well, I think without money the good you're able to do is limited. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you can just do so much more with 
it's just like an amplifier to whatever you were going to do it's an amplifier to it so if you do have intentions of doing good things you you're probably going to need to generate some income to be able to bring those things to fruition absolutely well, it does amplify you in your personality mm. as well whether you're good or bad it will yeah. amplify it mm. yeah but harvey it's been a pleasure like, i've really enjoyed this conversation i'm sure people are going to get loads of value from it um We'll wrap it up now, but is there before we go? Is there anything you want to promote? Do you want to give people um, places where they can contact you? And yeah, l- listen. As I said, I love giving back. So if anybody wants a free discovery call, if you go on Instagram's probably the place you'll catch me the most on. I get high. I'm uh, I'm super humbled from this because I put out content daily. Now I get high volume of messages in my inbox every day. I do my best to stay engaged with people. Uh, don't be disappointed if I don't answer straight away because I've got high volume and just can't. Mm. But Instagram is probably the place you'll get the answer the quickest. So just, yeah, follow, follow my social medias. Harvey Grove Properties mm. is what I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I'll put everything in the description. Yeah, c- come into my Facebook group. Uh, yeah, that's all I kind of ask. Follow the stuff. If you want to reach out, do do coaching. If you want to reach out and work with us, do coaching. Mm. If you've got properties in the Northeast and you need to manage, we do manage properties. If you want me to source properties for you although we do only a small amount for that we do that as well but but yeah just follow the stuff connect uh, and yeah, that'd be great yeah I've definitely looked at some of your stuff and it's loads of valuable information similarly to the conversation we've had it's just like valuable tangible information that you can actually use and if you if you're interested in property or if you're interested in just investments in general then definitely check it out just go go on as I said all the stuff will be in the description and it's some really good content so yeah, thank you again, man. Um, yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. Hence why it went longer than I was expecting to. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really good, man. Thank you, man. I will wrap it there. Cheers. 1p, 2p, 5p, 10p, 20p, 50p, change don't annoy me, 1 pound, 2 pound, 5 pound, 10 pound, 20 pound, 50 pound, these are my employees, yeah, I just make Elizabeth work, I just make Elizabeth work, yeah, I just make Elizabeth work, I just make Elizabeth work, 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 where my money at, let me dial up management, who's going in and who the fuck's panicking, who's maybe P and who the fuck lost P, if I fire man that could be costly, you know I always make the pattern run properly, I've got white money and it talks cockney, I got black money and it talks patwa. Why the fuck would I want my money stacked up? I see money, I can't let it be statue. I'm an entrepreneur in a tracksuit. When your money works hard, you don't have to. She got dank body and it's all natural. But I'm still only trying to get the peas, bitch. You got dead pee, hit it with the D frips. It's a game full of snakes and leeches. Fuck school, they ain't never gonna teach this. Fuck broke, I'd rather turn evil. When I'm hungry, you be looking like treacle. My tunnel vision on my prey like eagle. I got a pit in the whip looking regal. Just in case. I ever got a duck a man down Dealing with the penny same way I do pounds Dealing with the pounds same way I do racks Aiming for a billion, I ain't going back When I hit the club, it's return of the Mac I'm looking for a hustler, 30 collab Track queen title, where you worthy of that? There's a lot of hot chicks, but I'm never that gas. I don't know love, only know about cash I know about economy, I know about tax I want to dominate, not race with the rest Look, I can't hear shit if it ain't about 1p, 2p, 5p, 10p, 20p, 50p Change don't annoy me 1 pound, 2 pound, 5 pound 10 pound, 20 pound, 50 pound, these are my employees, yeah. I just make Elizabeth work, I just make Elizabeth work, yeah. I just make Elizabeth work, I just make Elizabeth work, 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 work.